This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving Eve morning to you. Top of the morning to you. Uh, man, the gang's gathered. We got Cole. We got Terry. We're missing Jeff Simpson. If you can find him out there, he'll be the one driving with uh, two girls screaming in the backseat and a cute little uh, little boy in a baby carrier. Uh, top of the morning to you. Hope you're uh, having a great uh, holiday season if yours has already started. Many of you are off today, so you can go to the store and start, uh, you know, boiling your yams or whatever you do with the yam. Do you bake yams? Do you boil them? What do you do with a yam? You can do all kinds of things. My wife, my wife's been trying to uh, figure that out, or she has been assigned yams for the Thanksgiving dinner. Yammy. And my mother has certain requests. What? And what does mom want? Mom likes the type that come with marshmallows. Yes, your mom's smart. Yeah. she's a smart woman. My mother-in-law doesn't quite like that type of she yam product. How about does she like uh, the yams that have like Lucky Charms on them? No. Not those kind of marshmallows. They're magically delicious. So I think my wife's actually going to make two different types of Is she? yams, sweet potatoes, whatever you want to call yeah. them. She's... That's the other thing. You go to the grocery no, store, there's it. a what yam, and then there's sweet potato, and then you go to a different store and those same products are flipped. I, I don't know. think anyone knows. It's I think a... we're just making up terms No, it's here. a marketing scam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, we're it's trying like when to you couldn't tell the difference between a Hyundai and a Kia back oh. in the day. Do you remember that? Yeah. They looked very similar. And then you're like, are these the same car? Or the Reliant K car. Mm. Remember that? I do. And there was another car that was, looked just like it. The ones you could lift and tip over. <laughs> yeah. Those were the days. <laughs> I have turkey facts. Oh. Are we talking politics? Could be. Okay. A different, uh, more of the, the bird that oh, the bird uh, many people okay. will consume. Sure, sure. No, that happens. Uh, so we today, get to that later today. We, we've got a lot to cover. Um, our president is defending uh, America. Well, against, you know. LeVar, what's his name? LeVar Ball, LeVar the father Ball. of the UCLA right. uh, player. So and the president is going after a, 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 the parent of a guy that was shoplifting yeah. in China. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's, I mean, he's got other stuff to do. Does he? Oh, yeah. He left for Mar-a-Lago. What's he doing there? Oh, has he gone to Mar-a-Lago? Yeah. Lucky. <laughs> he's loving it. Well, he jumped on his helicopter, uh-huh. flew to the airport. Yeah. Jumped on a plane. Yeah. Shut down five airports flying to Florida. All By the way, only on probably the busiest travel day of the year. Right. Oh, well. <laughs> well at least they got there a day before. But, I mean, he's got he's to have a good weekend. Yeah. In, in Florida, when he goes in, there's between three and five airports that have to shut down operations really? for like an hour so his airplane can fly through the airspace. <laughs> it's just crazy. That's great. But, I mean, that's, I think, every president, you if they got, go somewhere, you know these what? kind of things happen. Sure. So, yeah. You're... You know, you're the president. Right. You can shut down a state. Why not? Why not? Uh, he is all over, uh, not well. Oh, also, LeVar Burton. Yeah. That's a uh, different LeVar. From Reading Rainbow. Uh-huh, sure. And he's also on Star Trek Next Generation. He'd like everyone to know that he is not LeVar Ball. <laughs> People are tweeting at him, complaining about his not thanking LeVar, the president. I never yeah. liked you. So LeVar Burton of Reading Rainbow is not. LeVar Ball, go on. Many are saying that LeVar Ball, the father of the ballers, yes, uh, and Trump, they're just having kind of an egoic battle. No, to see who who should get more attention. No way. Yeah. They, what, I mean, what did he call him? It's in the headline there. Uh, he called him. Um, 
Or it's on the paper. I oh, gave you the headline. Uh, Lavar Ball is a poor man's Don King. Exactly. That's your president said that he needs better hair if he's going to try to go Don King. But you know, you're trying to be that sort of yeah. loud, big again media type face. I don't know that yeah. Trump should be talking hair. No, not that he was, but maybe inferring that you know he's a big well, he's a big promoter is all. Yeah, it's all Lavar Ball is a carnival barker. Yeah, it's kind of where both these guys end up yeah. in that area. That's come a one, great... come all type of idea. <sighs> By the way, again, remember that uh, wherever you shine the presidential light, ah. uh, you give it credibility. You do, and possibly sell shoes. It, it, exactly. It would. It would probably <laughs> be better to just not shine your light mm. on anyone like that, or be more selective. Like just give him the old who, right. who. Just who, just who him back? Is yeah. he who'd who? you the, huh? earlier in the week, which yeah. caused all this to start? Uh, sad day um, if you're a Partridge family lover. He's been in the hospital for several days yeah, now. He's there been was a, sick. There was a bit of a David Cassidy. Uh, false start on the David Cassidy's death stories yesterday, I think, or the day before. Yeah. Earlier they, this week. That's a, People had to slow that down. Wait a second. Not dead yet. Whoa, 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 everybody. The whole Monty Python skit. Oh, that's sad. That you can't die on your own pace. you got to die on the press's pace. Well, We really need to get this out. So are you going <laughs> to— We have a deadline. Could you hurry this along? David Cassidy. Yeah. Uh, he had who, some major organ failure. Uh, you know, he really situation. was. He was a big deal. 70s teen heartthrob, lead singer on The Partridge Family, which, uh, by the way, I nothing w- better. Watch the show. Yeah. It was on reruns. We're like, look at that. See, that? I, that's why I think now like my children will have better selection because I didn't have that many. I mean, I had cable, but it was just a lot of reruns. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't have the Partridge family. You didn't have the appearances of the monkeys guy that was always on like Brady Bunch yeah. as the star. Saw you never those. saw the Brady Bunch. I mean, you saw it, but you never yeah. absorbed it. Like experienced it. Yeah. it? I sort of tolerated it. It was something that yeah. was on TV, yeah. Were, were you... Did you ever feel sad for a teenage heartthrob, Marsha Brady, when a ball hit her in the face and basically broke her nose? Have you ever felt more sorrow for somebody? I don't know if I felt sorrow. What, what did you I feel? I think by the time I saw it, it kind of turned into um, just kind of something people made fun of because it was kind of a, a oh, weird see, way that's to- that's sick. Because <laughs> even like afterwards, her nose, it just you, you stop and look at that. It's like, that looks kind of weird. How did they make oh, that happen? She- that was a tragic moment. I thought it, I, she was probably my first girlfriend. She's kind of annoying. What? Marsha. Yeah. She was always kind of complaining. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Yeah. See, so. Marsha. <sighs> Jan was that, that girl. What girl? Jan Brady. Yeah. What about her? She was concerned about Marsha. Jan was the thinker. Jan was the smarty pants. Really? Yeah. Cindy. Uh, the whole show. Cindy just kind of wandered around the backyard. Looking and then they for the keep dogs. trying to do reunions and oh, yeah. people are messed up. And well, just, yeah. it's sad. If you if you experienced the 70s and uh, loved it like I did. <laughs> did you have a choice? No. You could have loved or hated the 70s and you chose to embrace it. I thought how cool was that, though, that there's a family that lives, they, that travels in a van. The, and they all. Or was it a bus? I mean, a bus. I yeah. Mean, yeah. That's what I thought that was really cool. How, who doesn't want to do that in the 70s? Bunch of hippies. It was good. Ah, it was cool. I loved it. Anyway, uh, may he rest in peace. That's David Cassidy. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of women. I remember I went to a Donny Osmond concert uh, in the summer. Again, I, oh, yeah, I, you did. I had never done that before. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, he was, you know, he was loved and maybe not as loved as Donnie, but maybe more in some worlds. Mm-hmm. It was, it's tragic. It's too bad. And young. And may have 67? died. 67? Yeah. yeah. May have died of uh, Alzheimer's mm. or some form of dementia. He had some form of dementia. So, <sighs> but he was with his family when he passed. So that's nice. Uh, let's get to the rest of the headlines. Terry, what else should we be paying attention to? President Trump told White House reporters that we do not need a liberal person to win the open Senate seat in Alabama. You have to listen to Roy Moore's denials of allegations of his sexual misconduct with minors, Trump told reporters, referring to multiple women who have accused the Republican candidate of inappropriate conduct. Uh, Trump said that Moore's Democratic opponent, Doug Jones, was terrible on crime and terrible on the border before adding that allegations against Moore occurred over 40 years ago. So, you know, Uh before Trump made his way to Mar-a-Lago for his Thanksgiving uh, vacation, he was also asked about the recent wave of sexual assault allegations. He answered, uh, his answer was noteworthy given that he has been accused of sexual assault and harassment by many women. He said, women are very special. I think it's a very special time because a lot of things are coming out and I think it's it's good for our society. And I think it's very, very good for women. And I'm very happy a lot of these things are coming out. And I'm very happy it's being exposed, Trump told reporters. Vote vote for more. Yeah. So, so he goes, vote for more. And then in the next breath, yeah. he's like, yeah, these guys that are being accused of things, this is good that's all coming out. My favorite news in 2017 is direct Trump quotes. No, and that's it. Hard and people read. that are literate trying to read them. We are, ve- yeah. And he, and... Uh, it's 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 force moral equivalency like mm-hmm. he's 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 bad on crime he's bad on crime like bad the man put two uh but more kkk members away for torching a church i believe in alabama yeah. that's the, that's what this that's, doug jones oh that's what that this means. is how he's not tough on crime this is one of the things he did he's you know punishing these types of crimes that are going on in alabama it's an important deal uh, so he's who are you picking it's a it's a choice, and if you're going to pick him for, I guess, what he's going to vote for mm-hmm. over what he's done right. to eight allegedly innocent, I mean, eight women that he allegedly did, that's that's a big deal. If morality doesn't matter, then where does this go? It's about values, which values is code for vote policy, right? So you think of it that way. They're voting on policy. He might be questionable in his own personal moral character where he's going to vote the right way. Oh, mercy. (laughs) Okay. Uber reportedly covered up a massive cyber attack. An Uber attack. The personal data of 57 million customers and drivers. The company chief security officer, Joe Sullivan, was fired this week. The October 2016 hack exposed email addresses and phone numbers of around 50 million Uber customers worldwide. The company told Bloomberg around 600,000 driver's license numbers were also compromised in the cyber attack. According to Bloomberg, Uber paid hackers $100,000 to delete the data and keep the breach quiet. That's oh. probably where they crossed the line. Yeah, there. that's going to that's gonna be a problem. For Uber's them. new CEO said the company is changing the way we do business as a result of the incident, adding none of this should have happened, and I will I will not make the excuses for it. We screwed mm. up. Um, and USA Today had a handy little list of all the data breaches just to kind of keep oh, good. you Let's keep us up to, date. up to date on this. So, um, By the way, so everybody listen up because this may be why you keep getting all those weird charges on your account. And as this note says, consider the union of all these users. It's virtually everyone. 
right? Yeah. So you got Yahoo. One billion user accounts were compromised in Yahoo. December 2016. Equifax, 143 million accounts. Target, 110 million accounts. Holy cow. Uh, LinkedIn, 100 million. Home Depot, 53 million. And the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, 21 million. Hey, and by the way, if you had accounts with all six of those places, you may be the lucky winner. But if you, you may have... You have this nexus pretty oh, yeah. much, that's the vast majority of America is, is in those data breaches right there. And it is the one thing we all share in common. So were you compromised? Is your information out there? Yeah, it probably is. Hmm. Good shot. Uh, CBS terminated longtime broadcaster Charlie Rose's contract effective immediately after multiple women accused him of sexual harassment. Three CBS News employees have come forward accusing Charlie Rose of sexual misconduct. Mm. A short time ago, we terminated Charlie Rose's employment, read a company memo sent Tuesday by CBS News President David Rhodes to network, network staffers. Despite Charlie's important journalistic contributions to our news division, there is absolutely nothing more important to this or any organization than ensuring a safe, professional workplace. The CBS morning show yesterday opened the first story, first breath out of, you know, words out of their mouth were about this story. And both the female uh, Nora O'Donnell and yeah. Gail King both were just like, this is ridiculous. He doesn't get any sort of slack on this. He's, he's done some terrible things and you know, we need, this is, you know, uh, just they're, they're sharing their dismay at their coworker doing all this kind of stuff. Right. Oh, and, yeah. and then soon after that, he's fired. And then CBS News last night, first thing they talked about, Boom. Charlie Rose. You got to, right? You've got to put other, that fire Other out. places might be kind of, they la, bury la, it. La, la, maybe la. it's a third, fourth story in. You just say, well, we fired him and move on. But they kind of went into it. They had a CBS uh, Evening News had a reporter actually cover the story, put together like a two-minute piece on what was what happened throughout the day and everything. So there's a TMZ uh, video of them trying to talk with him on the oh, street. yeah, really. And he goes, it wasn't misconduct or something of that nature, meaning it wasn't really that bad. It's kind of well, the comment Well, that's what every abuser said. Eh, You're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was not that bad. So CBS is handling this probably the best yeah. of anyone. By the, the way, moment. they may even fix it by bringing Oprah in. Well, there's always that. I guess Gail King is, you know, she's brought her up a couple, a couple times on the show. But how about Oprah comes in, fills that gap for a bit, brings the ratings back up. Right. Then this all wasn't that bad. It's <laughs> Oprah like, fixed what? it. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, so people are getting ready to leave. If you yeah. saw, there's these pictures of the L.A. freeway. They show it yeah. every year. Where it's just this long red light for brake lights and I the think white I saw headlights coming there could be yeah, yeah he was doing some morse code mm-hmm. like, help me help me stuck <laughs> so it says uh let's see airport lines are heavy because 50.9 million americans are expected to travel over this year's thanksgiving holiday according to the uh, American Automobile Association, otherwise known as AAA. This, that's 3.3 increase from 2016. Uh, let's see. Thanksgiving holiday travel, 48 million people are expected to drive, I think. Really? A growing uh, economy, the growing economy and low employment rates are thanks to, uh, uh, they're saying is why more people yeah, are to travel. Yeah, got more money. If traveling by car, I expect to pay a little more in gas as prices due to cost and surge in gas prices. Mm-hmm. Currently, the national average for a gallon of gas is uh, $2.50, up from two thirteen a year mm-hmm. ago as of today. The uh, Transportation Security Administration projects 24 million people or holiday travels will trek through the nation's airports, which is a 6% increase from last year. TSA says people are beginning to travel earlier. According to Airlines for America, 2.3 million passengers will travel per day 
That's 69,000 more travelers from the 2016 Thanksgiving travel wow. period. So it'll be busy. It's good to have more money. So now you can go sit in traffic more. Right. And just waste gas as you don't mm-hmm. move. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I would want to be flying. Nah. Especially, you know, in Miami area. Isn't that where Mar-a-Lago is? Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't want to fly down there right now. It's in that vicinity. It's just, I, I hear the airports keep yeah, opening they, and closing. They open and close yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah, 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 It's kind of rough. Hopefully yeah. hopefully the president doesn't move around too much this weekend. Right. Eh, he's got a lot of golf to do. Well, he's right there on a golf course. He'll be okay. Yeah, I'm not You also golfing. can't bring knives... Um, torches, torches, tear gas. Yeah, no well, tear, tear gas. gas. Pepper spray. Yeah, it's uh, all the same. No ninja stars. Yeah, they're saying those things are not allowed at the Mar-a-Lago Resort this weekend. Oh boy! So you got to be careful. What are we gonna do? <laughs> Can you bring like your lawn darts? Uh, they might. You might have to use the ones provided on site. The Nerf lawn dart. Yeah, it's not as exciting. No, it never is. There's no that peril of implement or be, you know death the, basically. Yeah, yeah, the death instrument. Um, boy, you know, we've also got an interesting topic coming up that I wanted you to talk to us about. You you have forever been talking about it all week, this subject. Totally what? jazzed you. Um, but I'd like you to just kind of set up for us robots yes. uh, and artificial intelligence and Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving. Well, it's Thanksgiving. Well, I think uh, this topic specifically about— Will robots about... take away your job cooking yeah. the— Dinner. Well, and what the guest is going to talk about is he says if we embrace it and prepare and train, no. So you could be thankful that possibly you <laughs> can work with our robot overlords and not for them. Okay. That makes sense. Thankful. Yeah, it's about gratitude. Yeah, it's about gratitude. If I was thankful, trying to figure out how, how this fits into Thanksgiving on the Thanksgiving Eve morning. Well, it sort of just kind of worked out he was available. So, But uh, just <laughs> – I mean, that's Is that, how, how some of this works. Oh, is that how that – okay. But, I mean, you you could be thankful because all the reports are the robots are taking all of our jobs. But how many people would love a robot to cook their dinner, cook their Thanksgiving dinner? Right. The Jetsons, they you could see they benefited. But could they do it like mom does it? No. Well, I possibly. Like shouting and screaming and keeping everyone out of the kitchen. Yeah, that's going to be fun. I love that. That's why you time your entry into the home later in life Yeah, when you go back home to visit mom for Thanksgiving. Mm. Sometimes. Avoid the chaos. Some, mom's the one that you're excited to see, right? It's, sometimes it's mm. everyone else you got to get through to get to mom. Yeah. There's and a lot then, of- She's so dejected and tired. All the prep for the meal, all the timing, it just kind of gets everyone grumpy. And then you eat and everyone's happy. And then they're all sleepy. And then they get sleepy and then someone has to clean up. Yeah. That's where you need the robots. And then people get grumpy because all the kids are like, oh, I got to go. We got places to it be. It is the darndest thing. We're going to go no to our second meal. of and No, no totally one's there to wash dishes. So, yeah. I'm going to wash dishes. Okay. It's the fastest way out of all conversation. Turkey fact? Yes. Ben Franklin, in a letter to his daughter, proposed the turkey as the U.S. official bird. Yeah. Didn't, I mean, didn't happen. No, but. but honestly, so much better than eagle as far as meat goes. And, and two- as far as majesticness goes. No, no really. majesticness would be the eagle. Except Are you for sure? The, except for the purple eagles that almost just beat the cougars last right. night. In 2012, the average American ate 16 pounds of turkey. What? Yeah. That's not that's a not, lot of a, not at Thanksgiving, yeah, but, but just throughout the year. Throughout the year. I mean, I think out of the 365 days, the only day I had turkey was Thanksgiving. Really? So, what do you eat the rest of the year? Uh, 
TV dinners and Hot Pockets. And yeah, there's no meat in there. No. McDonald's. Yeah, there's meat. It's, uh, it's, a, it, it's turkey day tomorrow, folks. So, you know, relax, relax. As you're driving uh, up next, we're going to be talking about your jobs. And uh, you can be thankful you're going to have them if you adopt the artificial intelligence revolution. you got to get your head wrapped around it. Because it's going to ensure some jobs, according to our next guest. Uh, it also may, you know, get you out of the kitchen faster. Maybe with a little robot and a little artificial intelligence, you won't have to wash another dish ever again in your life. Great would that be? Straight ahead on the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, we remember the Jetsons' futuristic world, right, where technology ruled and machines took care of simple tasks. In real life, would that futuristic world uh, be really be the utopia that we all remember? where, Or will it really end up just being a bunch of robots stealing our jobs? Like Rosie. Is Rosie going to take over uh, the home care job market? Well, here to answer those questions is Professor Thomas Kahan. He is a professor of work and employment at the MIT Sloan School of Management, and he may have some answers for us. Thomas, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me, Matt. I'm looking forward to the conversation. You bet, and then happy uh, Thanksgiving to you as well. Yes, yes, we have a lot of Thanksgiving duties and a lot to be thankful for. That's right. Um, talk to us about uh, – we, we really seem to, to, I think, misunderstand – the robotic world. I mean, a lot of us are, are thinking of it like the Jetsons, where eventually the robots will do everything for us. Um, and and it, I think it worries people because are we going to lose jobs as our world and artificial intelligence takes over and we have more and more um, technology leading us? Is is that something we should worry about? Well, I think we should worry about it, but I think we should take action to make sure we address the challenges and the opportunities associated with new technology. Too much of the debate about this stuff is how many jobs are going to be lost? Are we going to create more or, or lose more? That's really not a, a very useful debate because we don't really know. But what we can do is we can take action to make sure that we use technology in a smart way to augment work, to strengthen uh, the, the wisdom that people can give to these machines and to these new uh, technologies so that there's a better future for work. Now talk about that. That's, that makes sure. sense, right? That's like sure. – like, and take action on it. One of the things I guess we can do is look back at history and find out what you know, modernization has done over the years in history. W- what can we learn by going backwards? Absolutely. Uh, we can learn that if we work with the technology and we change the way we work, we change the organizational arrangements – then we can find new opportunities to use technology for purposes that uh, no one really anticipated. So let me give you the best example yeah. of this uh, from not so long ago. In the 1980s, there was all this automation uh, going on in the manufacturing industry, particularly in the auto industry. And General Motors said, oh, we're just going to throw automation uh, to solve our problems uh, at this problem or at this process. But Toyota said, we're going to take a different approach. We're going to engage workers in helping us to figure out how to use technology. And we're going to change the way in which we work by giving workers more of a voice, more flexibility.
flexibility to work in teams. And Toyota ended up being the most productive uh, auto assembler Hmm. and to have the highest quality products and to have a more satisfied workforce because the workforce itself helped Toyota to adapt. And Toyota did very, very well in the marketplace as a result. Those are the opportunities. Engage the workforce. Bring them in early. Get them to tell us how we actually do our jobs and how technology can help make them safer, easier, more meaningful, and to find new applications for uh, how we, we make the technology work. That's, so when you say we need to act, that's what you're saying. Don't just sit back and stew and worry about it. You're saying engage, and one of the first things to engage would be your workforce because there's going to be a lot of answers in what they talk about, what they do. I Absolutely, mean, yeah. and that means we have to prepare the workforce to be uh, active participants. So we have to continuously train and educate workers uh, so that they keep up uh, their skills as technology changes, but we have to also make sure that the vendors of these fantastic new artificial intelligence and robotic technologies listen to the people who are going to be the users and the doers with the technology, and that's the way we can really uh, make the most of it. Yes, some jobs will go away, and we then also have to deal with the consequences of that for those who are bearing the cost and be fair to them uh, and help them adjust. But we're also going to create new opportunities, and we're going to hmm. change the way we work. That's, that's a, I think that's a, that's a hopeful um, thing to look at. I mean, jobs will be lost, but what you – one point I know you brought up in your article on theconversation.com about this is – it's really not so much about a job going away as tasks, and I guess it's the, it's the cu- accumulation of enough tasks that equal a job, right? I mean, but this is about robots take on tasks, not necessarily a whole job. Absolutely. That's the evidence, both from history and from, uh, from current research and current developments, that, that uh, the robotics and the artificial intelligence will help, for example, physicians to have more information in front of them and nurses to have the same information and medical assistance to how to better serve their patients and how to reach out to them to keep them healthy. So if we reorganize the work and really empower the nurses and the medical assistants to work in teams with the physicians, then we can improve healthcare quality, keep people from having to come in for all kinds of appointments and for hospital visits to to keep the, the the population healthier, that's that's a team effort. But that's using all the information that artificial intelligence provides uh, to healthcare providers to improve both the patient experience, the quality of healthcare, and the quality of work. Hmm. You bring up uh, to this wisdom idea that the benefit that people are always going, or the advantage that people will have, is this concept of of just wisdom applied knowledge, insight, like I mean, at some point there will still have to be a doctor that is, that is with the patient or a nurse that's with the patient. Um, is, how does this change how we eventually look at jobs and employment and even our social contract one, with one another? Well, what it really means is that uh, we need to have a lot of investment in the so-called soft skills the nurses, the doctors, the medical assistants in our example, have to be able to talk with the patient. They have to understand the social and uh, psychological setting in which the patient uh, 
uh, is, is situated so that they can provide a more holistic uh, model of care. They need to listen more effectively to the patient and to each other and to be able to then use technology effectively uh, to serve um, uh, the, the patient's needs. That's a holistic way of approaching uh, this process. Now, if we do that, I believe we will improve the quality of work. We will have a new social contract at work that says, let's engage the full workforce and in the process of adapting to these changes, and then let's compensate the full workforce fairly for the contributions mm. that they are making so that we have a better equitable distribution of, uh, of wages and benefits and uh, the progress that we make through advances in technology. Is this going to shift... Um, some of the some of the uh, the perception of value because I guess it's one thing to like right now it seems like the hierarchy in a hospital is the surgeon then maybe the the doctor just the physician that then refers people to surgery and then maybe a physician's assistant and a nurse and you can go down this kind of hierarchical structure and they're all paid accordingly but eventually with AI and robotics it seems like the tech, the historic tech could become a really equalized, valuable player in the health of and surgery of somebody. Absolutely. But that's a cultural change. Yeah, that's, what, yeah, we that's what we need to, to work we on. We have to understand that the surgeon uh, and the, the physician uh, really can do his or her job better by empowering the medical assistant and the nurse to work with them to add value, and, uh-huh. and I've seen this in hospitals is out at Kaiser Permanente and elsewhere where uh, the doctors, once they understand the value of uh, the full team, they get more done, they're more satisfied because they serve their patients better. That's what really um, uh, physicians really care about. They don't want to go to a lot of meetings. They don't want to be engaged in a lot of bureaucracy, but when they can see that organizing work in a more... Uh, team-based structure, and when they can see that the technology and the teamwork help them to serve their patients better, they become the best converts for mm. uh, this kind of way of working. It really, it, it's it's very beautiful, I think, about how much more in, interdependent we're going to be. This It sounds like what you're saying is this is about, this technology advancement isn't necessarily going to make us a colder <laughs> you know, a more sterile uh, workplace. It actually might bring us closer together, more connected, more interdependent. Well, that's right. But it it requires a mindset change. Yeah. Because so many of the proponents of these new technologies see this simply as a labor-saving device. We're going to get rid of a bunch of workers. Mm. We're going to automate all of our systems, and we'll have a smaller number of people in charge of them. That's the wrong way to think about it. Yes, some jobs, as I said, will, 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 will be eliminated. But basically, the way we get the value out of, out of technology, the way we solve big problems in our society with technology is by engaging in this more interdependent process. And we're seeing that already because we're seeing people who have the skills, the soft skills of communicating and the ability to work with technology are the ones who are, are getting, seeing the most job growth and seeing their compensation uh, 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 increase as well. Uh, Yes. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Thomas Kahan, 
who is um, a professor at the MIT School of uh, Sloan School of Management. For the past 40 years, he's applied his research by working intensively with leaders in business, labor, and government to update labor and employment policies and practices. And we're honored to have him uh, to ask him some of these questions about AI, artificial intelligence, and uh, robotics, the impact it'll have on our work, on our workers, on our field. Are there certain fields that you see, um, Thomas, in the future that are going to be even more impacted by this movement than maybe other fields, other areas? Well, I think uh, much of our white-collar workforce, the middle-skill and upper-skilled uh, jobs where, uh, where information is so important, will be affected uh, greatly in the future. Uh, financial analysts, uh, information uh, technology people, the human resource department where they process a lot of data and a lot of information. Those kinds of white-collar jobs uh, can be changed and, and can leverage a lot of, quote, big data, as the term uh, is often used, and a lot of artificial intelligence to change how they work and to become much more involved in shaping the, the strategy of the organization, finding ways to improve operations and to really empower um, people in those areas to to be much more involved in the actual business uh, and the delivery of, of, of value. So those those the tasks associated with those jobs are going to change a lot. I don't think we're going to see them eliminated as much as they are going to be changed. Do you, do you sense our government, our representatives, our leaders – uh, do you think they're ahead of the curve, behind the curve on this? Where are they in relation to their policies and their their ideas? That that paradigm shift you're talking about, are are they on it? Are they way behind the curve? I don't think they're even on the curve. Aren't they're not even near the they're, curve. They're, they're in some ways have their head in the sand. Yeah. Uh, we're reducing our emphasis on training. Uh, we're taking away in the current tax bill proposal some benefits for continuing education that firms can deduct and that individuals can deduct. We've got to do two things that are really critical. We've got to invest in lifelong learning so people have the soft skills and the technical skills to contribute to this world of advanced technology. And then we've got to update the whole range of our employment policies to give workers the opportunity to have a voice in, in these processes and to encourage cooperation at the workplace, to get business and the workforce and labor and government working together to say, how do we make the most of this technology and how do we keep jobs then in the United States by staying one step ahead of the technological uh, revolution rather than argue about whether we can bring back jobs that have been uh, sent overseas. That that uh, day is over. Let's look to the future and let's update what we have to do. But that requires cooperation uh, and it requ- between uh, all parties in government, the administration, Congress, uh, uh, the local and state uh, uh, groups, uh, education uh, uh, leaders and so on. So, so we can do it, but we need a much stronger spirit of coordination and cooperation in government and in our society. The only way we're going to get that is if the workforce, the public itself, starts to speak out and say, 
enough of all this division. Let's get on with the task. That's great advice. Um, I also see a weird uh, almost convergence happening. I, I do a lot of soft skills training, communication, conflict resolution training in my uh, other life. And one of the things I'm finding is a lot of our, our younger people um, – have incredible tech skills or better tech skills than ever, but maybe less and less people skills and people management skills. I have a lot of uh, parents bringing kids to me to like, hey, teach him emotional intelligence kind of stuff. Um, Do do, do you sense that? Do you sense – because it might create a weird convergence in the future where we have the people to run the robots and the artificial intelligence, but not all this other, you know, cooperation you're talking about. Well, I'm delighted you're, you're doing that kind of teaching. It's absolutely essential. Uh, we've come to that conclusion at MIT as well, that our undergraduates, in particular our technical wizards, mm-hmm. they often don't understand how to solve problems in an organization, how to work together. So we've um, developed a course called People in Organizations to help our young people learn how to work effectively and to resolve conflicts and to negotiate and and to work in teams and to work with technology uh, and to put all their technical skills to work. We, I teach an online class on shaping the future of work, and this is a key feature of that class uh, that says here's the kinds of skills that are needed. Here are some exercises to help develop those skills and practice them to work together across uh, uh, interest group lines so that uh, we do role plays of, of people who don't necessarily share the same point of view and how, how they can learn to work together. Those kinds of interactive learning tools are available all over the country, in fact, all over the world, and, and people uh, like you are, are, are putting them to work. We need to do more of that so that the workforce of the future is prepared to really contribute uh, to these processes. That's great stuff. Thomas, thank you so much for being with us. This was uh, very enlightening, I think, for all of us, and we wish you a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Well, same to you, Matt, and to everyone uh, out there. We've got a lot, lot, as I said, a lot to be thankful for, a lot of work to do. Great stuff. So true. Thomas Cajan is his name, and uh, MIT, Sloan School of Management, is where you can find him. 40-plus years he's been working on uh, helping to create that next-generation workforce Powerful insights, right, from powerful thinkers. Uh, We are blessed to have the technology, the abilities we do, and it's amazing how it still comes back to people and connections and your ability to work with one another. We'll continue the lessons uh, straight ahead on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, and happy pre-Turkey uh, Day celebration on the Matt Townsend Show. We're giving you all the latest and greatest facts, the stuff you need to know about turkeys and Turkey Day. Uh, Terry's been researching for hours about the latest I typed in turkey insights. facts into Google. It was the first thing. I'm trying to build it up a little bit so it sounds like you it's actually It's not me. It's worked. from the Illinois State Extension Service. Oh, okay. So they're agricultural. Yeah, they would know. Facing. So they have a lot of turkey facts. They have turkeys in like Illinois. 88% of Americans surveyed by the National Turkey Federation eat turkey on Thanksgiving. 88%. Yeah. That's cool. 
What, what are, are the other 12 What are they doing? Tofu. What do you eat? Well, I know. Tofurky. I've had um, Mexican food. Mm. I've had seafood. I've had Greek food on Thanksgiving. My mother-in-law has different tastes. I don't know if you know this, this but I am, uh, I'm 7% Greek. Yeah, you've told me. Or Italian. Yeah. Baklava on Thanksgiving. Oh, not, that not bad. great. Just have it. Just go ahead and get some. That's good stuff to have just around the house. Well, yeah. 46 million turkeys are eaten each Thanksgiving, 22 million on Christmas, and 19 million on what other holiday do you think? Easter. Easter. Because, I mean. It's like all the Christian holidays, all they want to do is push turkey. <laughs> this, Big turkey came up with it. Look, let me tell you, we can sell more turkey on them Christian holidays. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Gluttons. Gluttons. Okay. Um, let's see here. In 1970, 50, 50% of all turkeys consumed was during the holidays. Now just 29% of all turkeys consumed is during the holidays as more turkey is eaten year-round. Yeah, you got to have Justice. turkey sandwich. I love this. I cannot wait until we treat stuffing the same way. Stuffing is right. good enough to have other than I don't think it's going to happen. Just have it. By the way, guess what my sister's going to do with stuffing? Oh, She's, she's going to get stuffing and put it in a um, waffle maker and cook it that way Yeah, and make it a nice little shell. And then you put turkey and gravy and everything on top of it. Oh, I thought she was going to make a shell and then no. stuff turkey inside the stuffing. No. Reverse no. the rolls a little bit. It's, like, it's just like a perfect plate of stuffing, a stuffing plate. Okay. Oh, a little piece of heaven. Your top three turkey products sold. Okay. Number three. Number three, cooked white meat, like deli meat, like yeah. sandwich meat, right? Yeah, I, I, I eat that for breakfast. Two is ground turkey. Oh. In fact, I don't eat ground beef with my salad every day. It's ground turkey. That's what you think. No, it is. It's That's ground it, white meat. This is right there on the label. Ground There's a lot turkey. of ground white meat. something. Mm-hmm. Tastes like chicken. It's less fat. It's healthier. Yeah, totally. Save a cow. Kill a turkey. Kill a turkey. Um, and then, of course, whole birds. People just like the whole bird. Really? Yeah. Have you ever seen a turkey up close? Yeah, they're they're the ugliest. They're not ugly, to be. Yeah. I'm not trying to be rude. And no. you're again bashing the majesty that is the American turkey. No, they've got the skin of like an 80 year old turkey. <laughs> gobble gobble. When they turn their head, their skin just keeps going. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid I'm going to have. Is that little gobble gobble now when you cook gizzard. your turkey <laughs> what do they call that when you gizzard. cook your turkey it's yeah. their gizzard is that, what I, is that their gizzard or is no, it their gizzards in their body yeah you're right what is that thing it's their it's their doula oblongata there you go probably not but good choice um the turkey you cook on thanksgiving is mostly it's it's a hen because there's oh, hens are sold see? as whole birds whereas toms are processed into turkey sausage franks tenderloins cutlets and deli meat see <laughs> Again, it's always the women get the bad yeah. end of every deal. What do you I think? Mean, what do you think the average weight of a turkey purchased at Thanksgiving is? Uh, I'm going to go with a nine pounder. Fifteen, really? Fifteen pound turkey is the average. Wow. My That's... mom always ended up with like a twenty five. Yeah, your mom was a shopper. Well, she wanted. Yeah, she she, she got and she got it early aisle. too. Yeah, because then we had a freezer in the basement, and we had to go down there and like unload half of it to get the turkey in the bottom. Yeah, that's and when then put you everything learned, back on top. Yeah, that's when you learn that phrase: "lift with your legs." And then it defrosted in the uh, the tub. 
Yeah, if you're only you defrosting your turkey right now, you're yeah. too late yeah, you're if it's trouble. a 25 pound so bird. So it was like two days out, and you're like moving this thing so you can take a bath. It's in a big Hold metal on. pot type you, thing. Okay, so how, how much does your son weigh? 20. No, wait. He probably weighs 35, yeah. closer to 40. How old is he? Six. Six year old. So maybe not that big. So we're talking know. about a five year old. Yeah. <laughs> got a five-year-old for thanksgiving <laughs> that's just weird the heaviest turkey ever raised was 86 pounds about the size of a large dog oh that poor thing probably couldn't walk it was on a little cpap machine to breathe <laughs> at night just feeling filling up his skin ah love turkeys good good news uh folks turkey news we'll have more turkey news next hour because there's just pages and pages of turkey news Up next, uh, we're going to have a little tangent on small talk from Leanna Tan. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Happy Thanksgiving on this, the morning of the eve of Thanksgiving. A lot of people don't talk about Thanksgiving Eve, but uh, my family, we love to sit around the fire with uh, the <laughs> those little pouches of giblets hanging from the, the fireplace. Mm. Just all in hopes that Tom Turkey will show up. A lot of you have already been uh, bathing your turkey. A lot of you have been defrosting the turkey, rubbing its back, giving it the great rub down that it needs. And we're so proud of you. Thank you for serving all of us. Uh, The gang is gathered here. Cole's with me. Terry's here today. Uh, Jeff, he's AWOL. We don't know where Jeff went. He left a couple days ago, and we haven't seen him since. He didn't tell any any of us what he was doing. He just... Just disappeared. So if you see Jeff Simpson out there, we know he's probably in L.A. traffic somewhere. With everyone else. With everyone else, with the other tens of millions of people. Um, if you find him, give us a call, one eight five five chat byu It would be, I think, enlightening for all of us to know if he's still alive. So we'll be getting to that today. Also, we've got other turkey news, just incredible facts that you didn't even know uh, you needed to know about a turkey. Average pound of a turkey that people are buying is 15 pounders. The biggest, uh, I th- well, the biggest turkey ever was 80-something pounds. 86. Eight, I guess processed turkey. That's a big turkey. That's a big bird, yeah. That, you, you'd have to be defrosting that for, what, a month? Probably. And then how big's your stove? I mean, where are you going to – I mean yeah. – it's just too much bird for one dinner. You know, it's bad when you got to not just stuff the bird, but you got to stuff the bird in the in the oven. That's a that's a big. You day. just get a big old kiln, uh-huh. wheel it in there. That's where you hope Grandma's been working out because she's going to need those. She's going to need to use all of her upper body strength to get that eighty five pounder in in the, the oven and hey, then out and then out. And then cut that thing. I mean, that would just take hours of cutting by dad or grandpa or whoever is doing the, the cutting. There's always that nice tradition around Turkey Day where, you know, they hand the they hand the knife to the guy that hasn't cut anything all year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next <laughs> thing you know, decimate he's... <laughs> the thing, yeah. No idea how to even begin. Watch a video. Get on YouTube. Yeah. Make sure you don't ruin Thanksgiving. Isn't that an interesting, like, let's now have father cut the turkey. Here you go, father. 
Yeah. He's sharpening his blade. And the next thing you know, dad's being rushed to the emergency room. By the way, male turkeys gobble. Hens do not. You know why? They make a clicking noise. Tell me that doesn't. Tell me that's not appropriate for today's politics. One of our leaders gobbles and all the hens are like, don't say that. That's not right to say. A 16-week-old turkey is called a fryer. That's mm. rude. 16 how old? 16-week-old turkey is called oh, a yeah, fryer. Oh, yeah, those are the little fryers. Five- to seven-month-old turkey is called a young roaster. <laughs> a, yearling is, uh, a yearling is a year old, okay, and a turkey 15 months or older is called mature. So you stick the little ones in the fryer. I the guess. little bit older, you stick them in the roaster. And yeah, I'm like, then, we're referring to them in their youth as food? Yeah, your entire identity is based upon the method of cooking. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a light baste with a nice microwave for about four minutes. <laughs> How old is he? Oh, that's creepy. That is weird. A fryer? Um, what, where does the nugget fit in? Uh, You'd think a nugget would be the little one. That's trademarked by some restaurant probably. What about – Tell me how the dinosaur became so connected to um, chicken. Explain that to me. Oh, you mean the the shape of the chicken nugget in the shape of a dinosaur? Oh, I thought those were actually dinosaur nuggets. No, no, I thought that was from dinosaur meat. Chicken nuggets in the shape of a dinosaur. They've been in the freezer for a while. That's a way to get kids to eat their food. Hey, Uh, it's fun. It looks like a dinosaur. Who wants to bite the head off my dinosaur? (laughs) I do. What uh, – any, any other important facts? Wild, ner- wild turkeys spend the night in trees. Mm-hmm. In they, Vegas. They prefer oak trees. Really? Yes. They like that nice oaky It's the, oak, the oaky taste, yes. This one's totally wild. I can taste the oak in it. It says wild turkeys were almost wiped out in the early 1900s. Today there are wild turkeys in every state except – Vegas. It's a city. Nevada. Alaska. Alaska, there's no turkeys. See, what that tells us so is how smart turkeys are. Hawaii, there are turkeys. Oh, wow. Think about that. Do you think, how, do you think they taste different, more of a pineapple oh, yeah. sort of flavor? I bet you have like a nice, because like, you, you dig a pit, you put the turkey in the pit. But it is it does tell you how smart a turkey is to not go to Alaska. I mean, the it, winter there? Right, it's cold. They're, they're already afraid to be frozen. <laughs> Unless they're going to crab fish. Yeah, they know where frozen right. gets them. That's crazy. The wild turkey, I can't get over, though. Uh, In the oak trees? Mm-hmm. Why, why? I mean, that's just... They just prefer oak. So they're just partiers. Some like... I mean, other birds would say pine, but I mean, oak is more of a, yeah. a sophisticated wood. Do you know how you can tell if, you know, once it's been... A, it's cleaned? Do you know how you can tell if it's a wild turkey? How's that? Versus... Just a, a, a not wild turkey? A commercial turkey, as they're calling it here in the document? Tattoos. Tattoos because they're Look wild for turkey. turkey tats. Okay. Turkey tats. Those are just, you'll see them all over their little skin. Now, <clears throat> turkey is associated mostly with Thanksgiving. Yeah. So why would you think June is National Turkey Lovers Month? Because they don't want you to forget about it. Is that what it is? It's three months after, right? Uh, two to three months after the other holiday we celebrate eating turkey. And six months before, five to six months before the other holidays. So it's kind of the tweener month. It's it's just the time they can really advertise. Yeah, if the little fryers and roasters are get big enough for us to eat them in November, they got to get born right. in June, right? Yeah, that's it. King that's Henry VIII was the first English king to enjoy turkey. 
Edward the Seventh made turkey eating fashionable at Christmas. Apparently, there's some historical turkey. Like what? Did he wear it around his neck? I don't. Or? Know. I don't know. It's, it's stuff. There's a lot I'm of, wearing a turkey. A lot of British turkey facts. I'm just trying fashion. to. fashion. Off with your head. <laughs> wow. Sorry. I'm so excited. Oh, here we go. Yeah. I'll say that. That's a good one. It. We have some good turkey facts coming up. We got to stop this. You will want to stay with us. Uh, we have incredible turkey facts ahead. Plus, by the way, also uh, Dr. Ron Hager is going to probably come in and throw a little wet blanket on all of this. He <laughs> usually does. Because he's, he's trying to make us healthy. And just because it's a holiday doesn't mean you have to be a glutton. Come on! So he's going to give us some ideas for how to stay healthy while you're, you know, eating a 25-pound turkey. You, you can have both things for a day. We'll talk about it straight ahead. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. What else should we be paying attention to, Terry? President Trump on Tuesday appeared to give an implicit endorsement to Republican Senate nominee Roy Moore, currently accused of sexual misconduct by nearly 10 women, including uh, other, other charges there. Though the president was thus far remained mum on the boiling controversy, he told reporters outside the White House, we don't need a liberal Democrat in there. Referring to Moore's opponent, Doug Jones, he added, I've looked at his record. It's terrible on crime. It's terrible on the border. It's terrible on the military. Furthermore, the president said he, on Roy Moore, he says he denies it. He totally denies it. That's all I can say. How, how is he on sexual harassment? Asked if he believes Moore's accuser. Trump says 40 years is a long time. He's run eight races, and this has never come up. Right. They were afraid to. It's all in state. He's one of the most powerful men in the state. Right. You don't go against him. But he denies it, so. He's the guy that invented mall walking. <laughs> Apparently. He spent a lot of time there. Oh, mercy. I tried to stay away from the mall. Totally. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, a Quinnipiac University poll published Tuesday found that 62% of American voters would not vote for a candidate accused of sexual harassment by multiple women but that Republican voters were far more willing to vote for an accused sexual harasser. Isn't that weird? Across every demographic category of age, gender, race, education level, a majority of voters said they would definitely not vote for the hypothetically accused candidate. It was only when Quinnipiac sorted voters by partisan affiliation that they found a single group where a relative majority was willing to vote for an accused sexual harasser Republicans. While every single demographic and partisan category, including 82% of Republicans, strongly believe that sexual harassment of women is a serious problem, 43% of Republican voters said they would still vote for a candidate accused multiple times of such conduct. 43%. Uh, it's so strange because it's the GOP, too, seems to have a lot of other issues about sexual health and sexual whatever. Mm -hmm. But don't worry about harassing. I guess. <laughs> that goes back to the issue that they vote on issues, not on their values. Their values are issues. Right. If you're going to go in and vote for this tax bill, we're totally for you. What you did 40 years ago, not our business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just checking. I guess. Three people missing Wednesday after a U.S. Navy aircraft carrying 11 passengers and crew crashed into the sea near Japan. The Wall Street Journal reported eight people were rescued and are in good condition. A Navy statement said a search and rescue operation is being conducted by both Japanese and U.S. personnel to find the other three people who were aboard the C-2A Greyhound aircraft when it went down. The cause of the accident is under investigation. That's tragic. Three three missing? Three missing. They, they rescued eight. 
That's good. Three That's missed. really good. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, finally, uh, let's see. Self-taught rocket builder Mike Hughes plans to fly his homemade rocket above the Mojave Desert in Southern California November 25th, seeking to prove out that a conspiracy of astronauts fabricated the shape of the Earth. The California man intends to launch himself 1,800 feet high on Saturday in a rocket that he built from scrap metal. Rocket man! Assuming the 500 mile or 500 mile per hour mile long flight through the Mojave Desert doesn't kill him, Mike Hughes told the Associated Press his journey into the Atmos Flat because uh-huh. it's the yeah. flat Earth, not a, not sphere. a sphere. So it can't be atmosphere; it's the Atmos Flat. I love the we'll Atmos mark, Flat. Will mark the first phase in his ambitious flat Earth space program. That's the first or last phase. <laughs> Depends on if he lives. Ultimate goal is a subsequent launch that puts him miles above the Earth, where the 61-year-old limousine driver hopes to photograph proof of the disc that we all live on. So he has experience driving. I think that's Limos, important. Yeah. Hey, don't get me wrong. I mean, I do drive a limo. <laughs> so let me get this straight. Yeah, go ahead. Rocket Break Man here yeah. is going Literally. to use rocket technology that validated... Previously, that we have a spherical well, shape to our he's Earth. He's saying it was a lie. Yeah, it was a lie, except he's actually going to use that right. learning mm-hmm. to actually get up and prove that it's we don't. It's a flat Earth. And he's, he's not a rocket man. He's a limousine driver. If mm. I wanted to learn science, I would not go to the scientists. Mm-mm. He goes, I'll shut the door on this ball Earth, Hughes says, in a fundraising interview with the oh, Flat yeah. Earth group for Saturday's flight. Theories discussing or discussed during the interview included NASA being controlled by round earth Freemasons and Elon Musk making fake rockets from blimps. Yep. He'll shut the door all right. <laughs> I don't think I think so, I think they call it the lid. Remember, gonna, he's going to shut the lid, not the door. Saturday, watch the news, see if the guy survived. Oh, uh, don't. He's going to launch his rocket. His rocket even says what does it say like on the side of it like rocket man or something. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, Matt. You it's, know what? It goes right with, you'll have Black Friday shopping, you'll be worried about that kind of stuff. You'll have a black stain in the middle of the desert. Don't do it. What's his name? His name's uh, Mr. Hughes. Mr. Hughes. Mr. Mike Hughes. You're not Howard Hughes, my friend. No. But you may end up the same way. So uh, other other facts, as we have our health evangelist coming in the door here in a few minutes. Uh, last year, shoppers spent more than $12 million on cranberry sauce. Ooh, wow. Or 11 times the amount purchased the rest of the year. By the way, that's a great, and we'll have to bring that up with uh, Dr. Ron, because that's a that's a, a fruit. Well, it's also like ball of sugar. but Yeah, but yeah. a gelatinous ball of fruit <laughs> sugar. Can shaped Last year, stuffing of... sales reached $24 million during Thanksgiving week. That's nine times the amount of stuffing consumed other times of the year. That is fantastic. A travesty. $24 million, or $24 million? $24 million on stuffing. Sales. Uh, Thanksgiving week. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I about... I just about shed a tear. Right and there. shoppers are are skipping pre-made pies and opting for the home-cooked variety, at least partially. Sales of pie shells, frozen, refrigerated, and shelf-stable, that'd be your Oreo variety that you mm-hmm. see occasionally, were in demand this time of year last week. Shoppers bought five times the number of pie shells during Thanksgiving week 2016 and spent more than $20 million on all three varieties of pie crusts. Just so you know. This is great news. And it seems like... Um, it seems like that's a pretty well-balanced meal. You got some fruit in the uh-huh. cranberries. Right. You got your bread. With the stuffing. You got your giblets. Giblets with the turkey. I guess that's a protein. And then a pie. 
Yeah, then you got your pie. In fact, turkey is the fourth most popular protein in America. Yeah. Behind, you know, beef, chicken, fish. The other. Or pork, not fish. Fish is like fifth. Yeah, who eats fish? Right. Blah! Fish. All those healthy people in Asia. <laughs> fish. Fish eaters. And finally, and finally if, you're, if you're at this point and you've defrosted your turkey, you're just on, on you know, you're starting yeah. that process mentally. How am I going to do this? Maybe you want to try something new to maybe season the turkey, give it a nice little flavor. I wouldn't try anything new. You don't want to try anything no, new? don't try anything new. This might be the time to just new. scrap your entire plan and you start something different. You should have tried something different. new about a month ago. What about using as as a nice sort of rub on like the rub. turkey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flaming hot Cheetos. Oh, a flaming hot Cheeto rub. <laughs> now this is on the turkey, right? Look at this photograph. Wow, that is flaming hot. Flaming hot Cheetos just mashed into the turkey. <laughs> that poor turkey. That's got to hurt. The nutritional uh, just improvement on that. Surely just... there's a more graceful way to incorporate your favorite flavoring onto a turkey-based or rub or marinade than just to mm. sprinkle crushed Flaming Hot Cheetos I mean, what on if top? that's how you died? <laughs> they just cut your head <laughs> Covered off, in flaming stuff hot... you, and then no. they're like, get the hot Cheetos. So do you think that would be a good idea? No. To use... What about like Cool Ranch Doritos or something like that? Now that we're taught that might okay. be worth investigating. Investigating. That's, yeah. I'm not into those. Those are hard to eat. Those are hot. Yes. I'd rather, I'd like to have, I'd like to have a subtle rub. Uh, <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe. Like a Frito? Maybe a, a yeah, like some, like a, maybe the chili sauce Fritos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chili cheese Fritos. Those are good. chili cheese Fritos. Yeah. Those are Pizza really Pizza flavored Pringles. Okay. Uh-huh. Mix those flavors. You know, it's fun to talk like this when Dr. Ron's in the studio because he's recoiling. Like yeah. He's like, oh! Wow. What the? Self-inflicted wound right there. Well, he's going to have to pull us out of this big hole we've dug ourselves into. We'll do what we can, folks. Uh, Straight ahead, Dr. Ron Hager, our health evangelist, will be here. Does your behavior change uh, simply and do you justify your eating habits simply because it's a holiday? It's just that time of year. So you throw out everything you've done, and now you're just going to eat Cheeto-encrusted turkey. It doesn't have to be that way. Up next, the health evangelist, Dr. Ron Hager. I'm ready for a miracle. It's going to happen today, folks. Dr. Ron Hager is with us. Uh, He's one of our great contributors. Ron is an associate professor of exercise sciences in the College of Life Sciences, Right here at BYU, and by the way, he is the uh, he's the death preventer. We used to call him like the not the dementor. That was something different. The death <laughs> preventer, and he's going to help you this holiday season. Not uh, not kill yourself by turkey. There we go. That yeah. is a horrible way to go. I hear death by turkey. Death by turkey is the yeah, worst just, way to go. Or just overeating in general, I suppose. I mean. Yeah. People around this time of year tend to have sort of this buffet mentality. You ever, you ever been to a buffet where, oh. where for whatever reason, you don't know where it comes from, but you go to a buffet and your mentality yeah. becomes, I'm going to put this place oh, yeah. out of business. <laughs> like, is that a seven bean salad? I well, haven't tried that for 28 years. Well, you, well, you know, you, you pay your $12 or whatever it is for the buffet. <laughs> yeah. and, and for some reason, this thought possesses yeah. your mind uh-huh. that you are going to, you're going to put that company out of business. They owe me. 
that, yeah, that they owe you. You know, you paid $12, but you're going to walk out of there with no less than $36 worth of food in your stomach. I don't care if my innards blow out. I am going to eat five plates full. So that's kind of the idea. That really is. and, and Holiday eating. But what's so funny is um, because we, we go on a long walk. We do like an eight. I, I, found, I always thought it was 11 mile. Right. We used to call it the, the Baton March. Anyway, um, it's about a nine-mile walk Okay, what we found out. That, that's impressive, though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then we get back, and at first you're really too tired to eat. Like, you're just like, eh. But then you go eat a plate full, and I've noticed then I'm full. Yeah. But you know that this is kind of a one-time thing in my yeah. head. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, I don't want to waste this great gift. Sure. Of like all it. this food I love. Yeah, well. So I, I may just, maybe I had to push a little more in. Maybe, maybe you should try that. You know, when you exercise, though, um, b- before, you know, you eat, uh, it tends to suppress your appetite. No, it totally does. Yeah, yeah you know, you don't. We do, I don't eat as much. I mean, if you wait an hour and a half, two hours after you exercise and you haven't eaten anything, your appetite can kind of go through the roof. Yeah. Uh, but if it's if it's within just a, even a few minutes or thirty minutes post exercise, yeah. you, you tend to not feel like eating that much. It's a pretty cool tradition, um, but the, you're you're right. There's there is a weird psychology. It seems like to all of this, where somehow we throw out all of our rules, all of our principles, yeah. all of our values, all of our beliefs for this three hour event or yeah. however long it takes. Yeah, and that's you know I wanted to talk a little bit about principles this morning because people are generally principle driven yeah you know as a as a as a race yeah uh you know as a group of people and you know and then if if a person has a certain other uh you know cultural aspects as part of their makeup you know they might even have other uh sort of principles that may be unique to say that culture but you know i looked up the definition of a principle uh, and it's it's pretty basic it's yeah. a it's a moral uh rule or kind of a belief that helps you feel like you know what's right and wrong and therefore helps guide your actions. It's like a law, like a moral law for yourself. Right. So so principles, you know, some of the obvious ones for most people are things like, uh, you know, kind of reminds me of the Ten Commandments a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't steal or I don't lie or I don't cheat. You know, under no circumstances will I do that. Right. And you've even heard stories about people who have given their lives for their principles. Uh, you know, some people believe in them so strongly that uh, they they will not change. And but I've often wondered what kind of principles do people have regarding their health? You ever thought about oh, health, yeah. health principles? Right. Uh, and you know, there are some people who say, "Oh, I don't, you know, I don't miss a day of training," or, or you know, I don't put salt, sugar, or fat into into my body. Or you know, maybe maybe some people are like that. But most people, I don't think, give a lot of thought to this idea of principles of health. Hmm. Moral sort of ethical principles, you know, there's a lot of those. But, yeah. but let me ask you a question. Okay, it's a holiday season, so it's kind of unique. So now we can go out and uh, rob a bank, right? <laughs> hey, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. It's the we're season gonna, to knock off the bank. Yeah, we're going to rob a bank or we're going to uh, mug somebody or I'm going to embezzle money from work. Yeah. You know, finally the holiday's here. It's time for embezzling. Isn't that interesting? It's but, true. But see, nobody does that. We don't that. think of it that way. No, so regardless of... The circumstance, people tend to stick to their principles. So I like the idea of a person sitting down. It may be actually hard work. They may have to think about this quite a bit. They may have to even do a little research. Uh, but figure out what your principles are related to your own personal health. 
But if you've been living your principles, it would seem like you would just naturally have a healthier meal anyway. Yeah, you, it seems even, like. even if it's well, even if it's even if everything there is less healthy. Yeah, and you've been living principles for years. Yeah, the idea of putting certain things in your mouth anymore would just not cut it. Sure, but the people do make exceptions all the time, though, Matt, because you know the holiday seasons, the Thanksgiving holiday, is a time when lots of family and friends yeah. tend to get together. So then you may have sort of this little you know melting pot of various principles mm-hmm. that that may actually. You know that, that that might run against each other. Like you might have the like I might feel well. I better try her salad because <laughs> right. she made it. I don't right. want her to feel bad, so I'm now serving. But I also have health principles that I might be disobeying. Right. It's right. a weird because moment. you want it because you want to kind of fit in. Yeah. You know, or you just want to be part. Of, so I, I found, and, and I'm speaking from personal experience. I found that it's pretty easy to kind of throw out your your long-standing health habits yeah. at certain times. You know, uh, a birthday comes up or um, a reunion or uh, a holiday like Thanksgiving. But if, if you're throwing them out a lot, then maybe it really is that you don't have any <laughs> could, could principles, be. right? Yeah. I mean, it might just simply be you, you have the illusion of them, but really they're not integrated into your life, which is what you're asking us to do. Yeah. Really question sure. what your values are and your principles, I mean, when it comes to... Sure. Food. Yeah, so I, I like the idea of people sitting down and saying, this is how I'm going to be. You know, p- some people have very strong sort of principle or orientation regarding alcohol consumption. I mean, yeah. some people just are flat abstainers. We're not doing I that. don't drink alcohol. And even in a holiday situation, a work party, uh, a family gathering, if some people are drinking, they still refuse to. So yeah. I'm not saying people don't have principles and follow them, uh, but this idea of for the most part, throwing everything out the window oh. at the time of a holiday, like Thanksgiving, and saying, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to live it up, that, that I don't know. It, it just seems like maybe people could could consider that. Yeah. And, it's and an say, option. And say, you know what? I'm going to try something a little different this year. Well, okay. So, you know, I got my gallbladder out. Yeah. And uh, I'm now learning to live without a gallbladder, which is, it's, it's, it's a weird little balance. Yeah. Because... If you, you know, if all of a sudden I threw a steak into my mouth and ate the entire steak, I would need, I need my gallbladder. (laughs) And if you don't have it, then it creates other problems for you. Or if you just have a really big meal. So I know that. I already know I can't have a big meal and I can't have too greasy of a meal. Now, you would think I would naturally have a principle then. Moderation, smaller you know, smaller diet, less uh, less grease, less fat. Because yeah, you're kind of forced into it. Yeah, you it. think so. But, uh, you know, I never thought of this, but people engage in elective surgery options all the time. Maybe they should consider having their gallbladder. But the, it does, the problem is it's not changing me. Because in my head, I'm still like, oh, I'm going to pound that turkey. <laughs> right. You're still the same person. But it's, it's funny. It also shows you how little, like, biofeedback sure. we actually get. Because, or, or, or pay attention to. Or pay to. attention, exactly. I think it's there. No, it's totally there. Yeah, but you've got to learn to hone in on I that. I mean, I'm sick every time I eat too much, and my body's like, well, yeah, but it was just that once. <laughs> yeah. But that once is like every weekend. I won't do it again. Yeah. Until the next opportunity presents itself. But we're eating out. I've got <laughs> to eat out. I know. It's I a know. big, it really, it, it, it's so interesting. Again, we're speaking with Dr. Ron Hager, who is, we call him the health evangelist. Pastor Ron is what we call him. He really is, uh, he's, he's a chronic disease prevention expert. Uh, also, 
death preventer, a.k.a. death preventer, that he's just, you're not trying to ruin our Thanksgiving. Let's be no, clear. No, I'm not. We're talking about principles. And I want to also make the point that that when it comes to healthy principles, I yeah. guess what you might call them, there is no one size fits all. You, you've got to figure this out for what's going to work for you. You mentioned right. your gallbladder. Yeah. Right. Well, some people have gallbladders. You know, some people don't. Some uh-huh. people are lactose intolerant. Some people aren't. Some people are are uh, gluten intolerant. Some people aren't. Some people have reactions to sugar. Some people don't. Uh, some people react to, to beans differently than other oh, people. Oh yeah, yeah. So is, is is that's an interesting point? Is um because it's one thing to watch what you eat, but how much of this also is just and is there a principle associated with this? Uh, to how how what how, how much you eat, not just what you eat, but how much you eat. Sure, sure. This is because if I ate a lot of salad tomorrow, <laughs> healthy salad. I guess it's a healthier choice, but a lot of it. Too much. I mean, sure. it's still not going to be good for health. Yeah. To, one of my favorite phrases. Um, I, I can't remember where I first heard this. I didn't originate it. It might have maybe been in my doctoral program. Maybe my mentor said it. So or prison. Something. Yeah, in prison. Uh, Balance, variety, and moderation. Th- those three things. Three ki- principles, by the way. Yeah, kind of explain, you know, how you, h- how you should base your health-related principles. You know, balance, variety, and That's moderation. Great. Now, and, and I'm going to be the first to admit, there, there was a time in my life when, uh, when there was, especially what, what, what you might think of as free food. You know, kind of like uh-huh. Thanksgiving. It's oh, like, yeah. you know, everybody brings everything or, or if somebody buys you a meal or or whatever. Or if we bring donuts here, right. every student's like free food. Right. And even if it's unhealthy, they'll st- it's free. You right. got to eat right. it. Right, right. So again, this sort of you have this sort of uh mental shift and and you think I have to eat like there's no tomorrow. I may never eat again. I better right. I better stuff myself as much as I can. Uh I think eventually most people realize that that's not the case. We don't really live in a starvation threatened society. There are places in the world that are like that, yeah. and maybe when you have an opportunity to eat, you do eat as much as you can. But in our society, in our culture, that's just not the case for most people. So you have to kind of have this idea of you know looking for tomorrow. Like you said, if I eat this food, I'm going to feel you know terrible tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to connect that consequence with your behavior and allow it to modify your yeah. behavior. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, this idea of eat, drink, and be healthy for tomorrow, we, or, or eat, drink, and be merry, merry for, for tomorrow. tomorrow we die. Maybe we should be thinking, you know, eat, drink, and be healthy, you know. For and, tomorrow uh, we live. For tomorrow we live. Yeah. Oh, that's a cool thought. Yeah. So, so, so that's just one perspective. But uh, the overconsumption, you know, during the holidays is, is a real thing. I, I came across this interesting statistic over the, over the years, over the kind of the Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, span of holidays, the average adult in America gains 2.4 pounds that they never lose again. Oh, really? Yeah, that was just one little statistic I came across. Yeah, I gained weight with every one of our kids. <laughs> yeah. I had no reason to, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get that baby weight off. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Did, um, does, because you, you bring up balance, variety, moderation. It also seems like uh, kind of the tempo because part of the reason we're not aware, we're not picking up the feedback is because maybe we're just doing this way too fast. If we just slowed down the meal, yeah, would we eat less? 
Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I mean, p- people have to, like I said, there's no one size fits all. So you got to figure out kind of what's going to work for you, what the triggers are, what the responses are. You got to you got to sort of plan this out in advance. I mean, this is how, this is how principles operate. They're they're like solid things that you can't just change. Yeah. On a whim, and so you know, it's like it's like the story I heard once about a uh, a train engineer. You know, he comes around the bend, and there's a, you know like a rock slide across the tracks. And he throws the throttle wide open and gets going as fast as he can. He's just going to blow through it. And, and blows right through it. And, and the, 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 the Coleman on the car said, my first instinct would have been to hit the brakes. How, why did you do that? And he said, well, I've been thinking about it, especially on this blind corner. If there was ever th- anything across the tracks, if we try and slow down, we'll never stop in time. And our, our momentum won't be enough that whatever's on the tracks could derail us. Huh. He said, but if I build up ahead of steam. So in other words, he took the time to say, okay, in this situation, I'm going to do this. In this situation, I'm going to do this. And so you make that plan ahead of time, and then you know what to do. That, that's kind of how people do with their principles. That's why certain people maybe are able to actually give their life for their principles, because they don't say, okay, well— I'm going to keep my principles until my life is on the line. Right. And then I might change them. Yeah. You know, they say, no, this is who I am. And then they stick to yeah, it. Yeah, they're deeply embedded sure. into their psyche. Yeah, and it's, and it's probably because they've taken the time to think about it. Yeah. It actually becomes uh, who they are. It's a definition of who they are. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. And, and I guess um, there's other things that we could be doing because there's other principles at play. There's the principle of connecting with your family. There's the principle of service, the principle of gratitude at this time. And it seems like a lot of those or some of those would actually take your eye off of the principle of, or the anti-principle of gluttony. Like if I was really big into making the meal, it seems like maybe the mom or whatever that made the meal might be the one that eats the least or maybe the most, depending on what she's doing in the kitchen. But the service of that whole thing and taking care of everybody might also make other things more important than the food. Yeah, sure. And, and that's, that's part of the whole idea of developing traditions. Now, it, it's hard to break traditions, yeah. but sometimes you can create new traditions that maybe sort of displace or offset old traditions. There's nothing wrong with making new traditions. It's, it's a great way to start a new thing for yourself. Terry's family, family, they eat a different meal from a different culture every time. Okay. I like that. So they've they literally they have Greek food one year, they'll have Italian food one year. They just rotate it. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Super nice. And lucky for him it's his second meal of the night. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I guess that ruins your point. Yeah. Yeah, well it can. You know, there's some other things too. You mentioned something that I really like. You said, well we have this tradition of going for this long walk. Yeah. Um, you know, wearing clothes that you can be active in during the holidays so that you don't, you know, if you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go for a walk, but first I got to change. Yeah. You know, j- sometimes that extra step is a deterrent. It's no, like, that's oh, it. Huh? Forget it. Too much work. Yeah. But Barrier if you, but, to entry. But if you've got the shoes on you need, if you've got the clothes on you need where you can say, hey, I'm going to go for a walk. And then like literally three seconds later, you're out the door on your walk. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing can help By people. the way, would it be better in your mind as the uh, health evangelist to um, to exercise before or after? If we were going to go for an eight-mile walk, would you suggest before the meal or after the meal? I would suggest before. Would you? Yeah, oh, I, would, I would suggest before. <laughs> well, yeah. well, one of the reasons is this uh, this concept of an appetite suppressant. Yeah, but being, then get being, right back and immediately eat. Being active can 
can act as an appetite suppressant, but it also gets you thinking. No, totally. Right? When you're on an, an eight or a nine mile walk, and that's sure, hours. Sure. If, if, if you're with your family, you know, you're having some great discussions. What a perfect opportunity to talk about principles related to health and say, you know, I mean, we're, we're engaging in something to improve our health right now, uh, emotional health, spiritual health, physical health. I mean, you know, you get all of those things when you're doing something for your body. Yeah. And, and then you kind of get in the right mindset. Maybe when you're, when you come back from that long walk or your activity or exercise, you're thinking a little differently, thinking a little more about health principles and taking care of yourself, you know, before a meal. That's good. Yeah. Really good. Give us one more tip. What's one more thing we should be paying attention to, worry, or, you know, focused on to make sure that we, we can live our principles? Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the eating part of it. The activity part, uh, I, I think, is important as well. Um, you know, I, I heard once that a person's health can be judged by which they take two at a time, pills or stairs. <laughs> you know, so I, I say just look for opportunities to be active. You know, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't sit for long periods of time. Uh, one of my uh, things I do in my class that I encourage students to do, because uh, everybody can kind of re- relate to bank accounts. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you ever sit for 30 minutes, uh, you know, so you pretend like you have a bank account that's, that, say, has $5 in it. And anytime you sit for 30 minutes, you, you withdraw a dollar. And anytime you're not sitting, you know, for at least 30 minutes, you put a buck, you in. Put a buck in. And at the end of the day, you know, you, you can do this as, I guess, as uh, detailed as you want. But yeah. I, most people just do it kind of mentally. But at the end of the day, take an accounting. You know, are you in a negative balance or a positive balance? Because that's, that's true. Because that's also something that happens a lot around the, the you know, the holiday time and Thanksgiving. There's a lot of sitting totally. going on. And, you know, there's, and, and, and that's okay because, you, want, you know, you want to visit, you want to spend time with family. But why not? Go yeah. for, why not go for a walk? Now, maybe you live in an area that's really, really cold. Go for a walk in a mall. Mm-hmm. You know, or or whatever. I mean, all I'm saying is look for opportunities to be active. You can find all kinds of excuses to not be active. I'm saying try and find excuses to be active, That's even good. even if it just means taking the stairs instead of uh, you know the elevator or something like that. Th- those are the obvious ones. It's great advice. Well, happy holidays. Well, thanks you too. Happy. Turkey Day, don't yeah. get stuffed. <laughs> no, I'll try not to. <laughs> Balance, variety, and moderation. That's exactly right. Those are the principles. Balance, variety, moderation. Dr. Ron Hager, our health evangelist, helping us uh, get through this holiday season with our principles intact. We'll continue the journey straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Welcome back, friends. You know, you got to figure out a way to, to handle all these relationships at this time of year. And it, it seems like it's a task. And it, a lot of times the way we end up uh, laughing or talking about it, it's always kind of negative. But a lot of, for a lot of people, this is the best. For my wife, for example, this is her favorite holiday of the year. Not for me. I mean, I, I, li- I like it. But it's, um, it, she loves it, the walking, the family, the whole thing. And so um, one of the things I guess I would just advise all of us to do while we are stuffing our faces or trying to live with moderation and balance and other principles, uh, we, we might want to also make sure we focus on relationships. And is there a way this holiday season 
that no matter what, what if we could just improve relationships? So a little assignment for you. Think of a relationship you want to improve over the next, you know, over this weekend. Uh, maybe a relationship with your child, maybe a relationship with an in-law or um, a cousin or somebody. Find out a way, find find that person, think about that person, and what can you start doing now to prepare to stre- strengthen that relationship this holiday season? Uh, another tool you might want to do is think about the best positive uh, Thanksgivings you've had. Don't go to the worst ones. Don't go to the, you know, the one where you were captured at the table with the loud, you know, aggressive political talker and you couldn't escape. Don't go there. But think about your best memories of of this holiday and what do those memories include? And you might even want to write some of them down because one of the things I found that works really well uh, when you're sitting around the table and you don't have anything else to talk about is talk about the good old days. Talk about the people that are no longer there. Talk about the memories you had sitting at the little kitty table um, while, you know, everyone else got to sit at the big table. Talk about that, that special dish that grandma used to make that you miss. And what's interesting, when you start to bring up some of those powerful uh, ideas and, and examples, everybody starts to kind of soften. They remember those days. They remember um, just those wonderful traditions. I, I know it happens every 4th of July, every 24th of July. We go uh, have family gatherings, and we bring up my grandma's potato salad. And usually one of the aunts or one of my sisters or somebody has put together what they think was grandma's recipe for potato salad. And it does bring up an amazing memory and an amazing discussion. So one really powerful discussion you could be having are about those that you that have gone before, the people you're grateful for, the people that uh, that really mattered to you, and that and you can do it without it becoming you know depressing and dark and dark. Just bring hope, bring light in by by sharing that. Also, be sensitive um, to the extremes. Uh, there are a lot of people that have an extremely unhappy vision of the holiday season. It might magnify their single status. It might magnify the fact that they're divorced and they don't have the kids this time. I mean, it magnifies in the extreme nature. And so be careful that if you, if you're coming in trying to bring too much gooey love, you might be setting some people up to, to feel other things. So be thinking of others, be sensitive to others, worry about what others are going through. Um, Try to strike up some conversations and prepare Prepare, prepare, uh, make it a shared holiday as well. To me, there's nothing I, I can imagine more frustrating for somebody that spent two days making the meal than to have to think that they have to go clean it up. So pick up your job, do your role. If you didn't contribute anything to the meal but eat it, then it's your job to stand up and clean it up. It's your job. Sorry, grow up, you know, own it, do your part and uh, work together to make it a shared holiday. You know, when we work together, we stay together. Have everybody put the tables down, have everybody do the work, clean up, and then do some more things together. Don't then let it just turn into a free-for-all where everybody goes their own way. Maybe have a game ready to play. Maybe have some uh, video or movie you guys could watch But talk, 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 and plan stuff. It doesn't mean you have to do everything together. You can also plan some time to be apart. But um, 
Also, finally, look for the clues. Uh, You're blessed. Your life is good. No matter how hard it may feel for you that and you, you may think it's not that good of a thing, you got a good life. You uh you still have life, you still have health, you still have a lot of things, you have people around you, you live in a country uh that is uh so blessed and you've been given much. So where much is given, right? Much is expected. And look for the clues and let's use this season as a real time to to give gratitude, to give thanks. And uh, the more we can see the good things, the more likely they are to keep reappearing in our lives. Little Coach's Corner for you. Hey, up next, we're going to have McKenna Bouse in the house. See if she can do a little mind bender. See if she can blow our mind. Lots of fun stuff straight ahead. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. Give it up now for the House of Bouse. Welcome to her house. She is looking about. She is here to break down. Think Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, McKenna Bouse is in the house. Bouse in the house, we call her. And uh, McKenna has a, an interesting little topic for us today. If, if you say, okay, what part of the turkey do you want? And your son says, I'll take the tail. Yeah, that would be a strange moment. It would, because in America... You know, it's Thanksgiving. Ninety percent of tables are going to have a turkey yeah. on them, and even when you buy the turkey and you've got the whole thing, you've got the bag of giblets, which yeah. has got everything except the tail. We don't even we don't even want to like. Now the tail's got to be going somewhere. It is, and that's really sort of the interesting thing about how this whole food system we have works. Yeah. The tail is By the way, actually the be- a beautiful part of the turkey. Yeah, well, those beautiful. Feathers, that plumage, I don't know what you call it. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, and this isn't even the part with the feathers. No, sure. So those are all the gone by that, the time. the feathers attached to. And it's this really nice fatty piece of meat um, because of the oils that are used to, like, keep the feathers in sure, good condition. Sure, But we don't eat it. And what happens to most of them is they get shipped off to Samoa, where it is a national delicacy. Is it really? So it we is. Like, the U.S., we harvest all these turkey tails and ship them to Somalia. Uh, Samoa. Oh, Samoa. Yes. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So, like, this year, turkey production expected to be around 245 million birds. Yeah. And next to none of those tails end up on tables here in the U.S. All of those tails pretty much are getting shipped off to Samoa. Lucky. And it's become this really sort of iconic part of the food culture there. It's... Really interesting because for us, we think that we're like, I don't know if yeah. I want to eat Ugh. it. And it's a perfectly fine cut of meat. What this shows is how tied our preferences for food are to the social environment in totally, which they're consumed. Yeah. You think about it, turkey, not the most moist meat. It sort right. of has this – it's known for being pretty yeah. dry. And depends who cooks it. It depends who cooks it. So like here we are like, oh, turkey. It's not that great. But Hand me because, the dry meat. <laughs> exactly. It's because of how social and that environment yeah. that we love it. And in Samoa – the turkey tail sort of feels that same thing. It's something you eat at home with family. And that cultural thing is part of why it's so beloved. Yeah. But as Americans, we've written it off. And that goes along with a lot of different parts of the animal that as Americans we just don't like to talk about. We don't like to eat for no particular reason. Right. We think about um, you know, oxtail. It used to be a really popular food during Depression-era here yeah, in back the US. when we were all working ox. 
And now you are hard-pressed to find it anywhere, at least in the U.S., outside of Asian cuisine in an oxtail soup. And so you see— Chicken's feet. Chicken's feet. Some people are like, gh. Yeah, and there's no real reason that we are turned off by these things. No, Cole loves them. I walked in just yesterday. He was picking his teeth with a little— Chicken. Yeah, toe. I mean a fried chicken foot. Like I'll I'll eat that any day. Nice snack. Um, but it is cultural, isn't it? It really is cultural, and I think we see the effects, at least culturally in the U.S. of we've become very distant from this idea of eating the whole animal. Which, if we go back even, you know, just outside, uh, just before the 19th century, before World War II, yeah. even wasn't the case here in America. We were much better about eating. The All the different thing. parts, yeah. eating the whole parts, being a lot less wasteful. So that's crazy because this cultural thing meant, you know, you could be having roasted penguin. I mean, it might it, be a little hard to get a hold of here in the U.S. In the U.S., no, but depending on your culture, right? Yes. So you could be like, Mama, I'll have the penguin fin. Yeah, you know, and it's it's all because of what, what memories we've yeah. tied to the food that we're eating. That's pretty cool. And now at Disneyland... Yeah. The, you can get a turkey leg. The turkey leg. So now they just need to bring back the turkey tail. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like that's not going to be a big seller. <laughs> At least it it looks culture. good. It looks good. It's. I think it's going to solve the problem it's of the, the other, dry turkey yeah, because it's, it's got that nice fatty. It's the other it. white meat. There it is. Uh, good stuff. Appreciate it. McKenna Bouse, you done turned our heads and made us now want turkey tails. We'll continue the journey next hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning and happy pre-Turkey Day. This is the day, folks. This is the eve. Tonight is the eve of Turkey Day. So is right now Turkey Morn? Yes. Turkey Eve morn. Right. Okay. Yes. That is the proper uh, way to address this day. And so you could like don your cap to somebody and say, happy Turkey Eve morn, my love, my lord, my friend. I think it'll be on the calendar next year. Yeah. Turkey Eve morn. Yep. Mm -hmm. Eve morn. It's, uh, you know, we like to, we like to give you another, another way to look at life. And that's one way to do it. We are celebrating all things turkey today. Uh, We've got a great uh, crew here. Cole is filling in for Jeffrey Liam Simpson, who is just AWOL. We we haven't heard from him for days. Left one day. Yeah. Probably never coming back, right? I'm not sure if he said he was leaving. I don't know. A lot of us aren't paying attention. You know, he said something. I don't know. Some of us weren't sure if anyone was going to be working today. Yeah. So I paying didn't attention, know. not a hallmark of That's right. the Matt Townsend show. I did not even know if I was going to work today. I actually thought I wouldn't be working today. But apparently, uh, I'm not allowed to not work. <sighs> as I look at Terry as he makes a lot of noise while we hey. wait for him to get plugged in here. Good to have you with us, Terry. Thanks for... <laughs> I, was, I was fixing the show. Good. Did you put it up on the up not, on the lift? Not that you know it was broken, but there was possibilities of problems, and oh. I headed them off at the pass. Excellent. Just like the Lone Ranger. Oh, good. Well, so are you the Lone Ranger? No. Like him, not Kimo necessarily. Kimo Sabe. Him. That's yeah. what I'll call you from now on. Kimo Sabe. 
Which that wasn't the Lone Ranger, was it? Yeah, wasn't it? I've never. Read Isn't that what Tonto seen, called the Lone seen, Ranger? Was Kimo Sabe? I've seen one episode of the Lone Ranger, and it was ridiculous. So I and, stopped watching. And by the way, do you know what Kimo Sabe means? No. Is it related to Kilbase? No. Okay. Kimo Sabe. This is not what it really means because mm-hmm. I'm sure that's like an Indian word, right? I have no idea. But Kimo Sabe would be Kimo knows. Kimo Sabe. He knows. Kimo is some name. Sabe knows Spanish. Saber. You sure? Yeah. But now, by the way, that's not what Tonto would have been saying. Tonto would have been using an Indian word, I'm sure. As Matt hedges it off as Terry Googles. I'm Googling as we speak. Mm-hmm. I told you. It's a, Kimo Sabe is, an, is a, probably an Indian word, not a, not a Spanish a word. A term of endearment used by the fictional Native American sidekick. Yeah. It has become a catchphrase. Again, they don't tell you what it is, no, so but I may it, have to go to the Wikipedia entry. But let's the remember, fictional Native American might have had a fictional Native American word. Right. And let's remember, we the most culturally aware Mexican. back then. It is sometimes translated as trusty scout or faithful friend. Huh. Sometimes. Interesting. Which means it's debated, which means it's Wikipedia, or, which is what Wikipedia is. Maybe what we've found debated. out, and this is the scientist in me, uh, not even scientist, this is the investigator in me, uh, chemo is obviously the Lone Ranger's name. And Tonto was learning Spanish. So he was saying Kimo, which was – so apparently the Lone Ranger's name was Kim. Yes. and the, Short for Kimberly. Kimberly. And Tonto kept saying, Kim knows. Kim, Kim sabe. Kimo sabe. Uh, just a little update for you there. Uh, we're, we're trying to help you along this holiday season in case any trivia comes up from the Lone Ranger. We, we, thought we Or would... we're just following whatever tangent happens to fall our way at the moment. Yeah. We do that at times too. It's what happens when there's a lack of producing. What are you talking about? Then we have to just go with whatever comes up in my mind. I have all kinds of things we could go to. Which, we'll pay, which you will pay for anyway. Yeah. Um, we've got, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Jeanette Bennett will be on the show. Uh, she's always fun. We're going to find out about her turkey dinner coming up. Right. We also have uh, um, we'll have some turkey trivia, turkey trivia, more facts. Some of them maybe useless. Could be. But I, I, have, I have some air travel. We had a, a a poll from the other day about British Airways. They they pulled U.S. and British uh, flyers, oh, air, air travelers, right? And that's on right. Air etiquette. Yeah, we need more air. So there's etiquette. a few more of those we can get to. Also, they're very that, interesting. That could come in handy. People for, are flying. This totally week. flying. Yeah. And a lot of people are just stalled in traffic. It could so be. So maybe some of those will also work for that. Uh, we'll get to that. But let's first get to the headlines with Terry South. What else should we be paying attention to, Terry? Fifty-five people have died in Puerto Rico from causes related to Hurricane Maria. At least that's the official number. Wow. An alarming survey of funeral homes by CNN put the death toll more around 499. Well, hold on. So who who's counting? Apparently they're not counting right. They're missing a few. They're missing a, f- a few. Like they've they've got ten percent of the count. Yeah. So uh, the number official number is fifty five. What the number CNN found is they pulled funeral homes in Puerto Rico, and they only pulled half the funeral homes. They got to four ninety nine, and then the funeral homes say, "Well, those are the ones where they they actually brought the body to us. They didn't just bury them," which has also happened. So oh, the actual wow. death toll from that hurricane is unknown. But I thought it was going so well. It's a perfect 10, as the president said, as he said. By the way, the how many died in Houston? 
50? Possibly. I'm not sure what the number there was. So this is like 10 times that? Yeah. And we haven't even heard it. Hmm. So, and, and that also includes, one example is a man who died in a house fire started by an oil lamp he was only using because of the storm caused the power outage. Yeah. That counts as a storm-related death. No, absolutely. So oh, wow. So, these are the, the discrepancies when it comes to the numbers, and it has a lot to do with the infrastructure issues, lack of power, lack of really coordination yeah. down there after the storm. Or is this just CNN being really negative? It might be why they're not going to allow the AT&T Time Warner merger, because it's just CNN's being CNN. You're going to keep telling the news. <laughs> if you're going to keep reporting the truth. They, again, they pulled funeral homes. Yeah. They went around and asked how many. And funeral homes would know, right? And it was only half of the 100, 112 of Puerto Rico's funeral homes. There's half of so there's oh, more than that. So That's tragic. Yeah. So that number was shocking as I read that yesterday. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's investigating. Is inv- he still around? He's still around. His investigative team is probing top White House advisor Jared Kushner's contacts with foreign leaders during the presidential transition period. According to the Wall Street Journal, more specifically, it's reportedly focused on Kushner's role in a United Nations vote to condemn Israel for its settlement practices. Israeli officials reportedly appealed to Donald Trump and then the president-elect to help block the uh, resolution's passage. It was approved after the U.S. abstained. Mm. Also, there's other reports that President Trump wants Jared just to go back to New York. <clears throat> Apparently, he's not helping. Jared. Remember, he's got that yeah. whole portfolio of Israel oh, and all yeah. these other things. Apparently, he's not doing much, not helping much, so they may want him just to, just to go back to New York. Go well, back and do your on. other jobs. If he goes back, I'm assuming his wife goes back? Yes, and there's still sort of some question as to what she's actually doing in the White House. Well, who would... Who what's, would watch the president? Well, that's what she, she's not watching the president, apparently. So Somebody's going to... Somebody's in trouble. Uh, President Trump is still latched onto the idea of punishing NFL players who don't stand for the national anthem, most recently calling for the suspension of Oakland Raider Marshawn Lynch. If you saw that over the weekend, he stood for the Mexican national anthem and sat for the U.S. national anthem. Yeah. That ticks some people off. Most re- uh, so he definitely has thoughts and new ideas with the league is reportedly tossing around. Per the Washington Post, sources to be fam- uh, say to be familiar with the league's inner workings are noting that if the anthem protests don't die down by the end of the season, NFL management could go back to the way it used to do things, keeping players in the locker room while the anthem is playing. Players were brought out to the, uh, of the locker room and onto the sidelines after a rule change in 2009, and a league policy encourages but doesn't mandate that the players stand during the anthem. I think that most owners would support it, particularly if players continue to kneel this season, the source adds, though notes that this hasn't been discussed in depth because the owners do not want to make a change mid-season. Yeah. So the solution to that could just be we don't even stand on the field anymore. Yeah. Maybe everyone just should, you know, lay down. I don't know. I'm not sure. And uh, because football is part of Thanksgiving, there are games on. I didn't know if you knew that. No. There's, there's, there's always there's three games. There's football during this time of year? There is. Uh, sports leagues are cutting back on uh, game times to meet consumer demand and for faster entertainment experiences on TV and online. Part of those cutbacks are happening at the advertising level to appease customers who are becoming accustomed to on-demand TV viewing. Major League Baseball executives are working on amendments to next year's rules that would speed up games, the AP reports. These amendments could include restricting catchers to one trip to the mound per pitcher uh, each inning and employing a 20-second pitch clock, among other 
<laughs> methods, right? So to put everyone on a pitch clock, you can only go out and talk to the pitcher every once in a while. You can't do it all as many as they are doing it. Yeah. So there's some baseball ideas. NFL Executive Vice President of Communications Joe Lockhart told reporters on a conference call in September, we had 10 of 15 games under three hours, which is the first time since 2009 that we were able to do that. It is not necessarily the length of the game, but it is a concerted effort to take dead time out to reduce the commercials. The NFL is airing nine six-second commercials on Thanksgiving. Boy. So they're trying to kill the dead time. I, I have a problem where they, they'll, they'll, they'll do the split-screen thing now where there's a camera watching players, and then they kick to a commercial. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and you're like, I'm not missing anything because I know the game has stopped. So why are we doing this charade that it's worked in NASCAR and right. in car racing because right. they never stop. Yeah. So they go to break and you keep What if it, they all had to pull over? I know. And they just, idle while, okay, is it done? Go. We're done with the commercial and they'll floor it. Yeah. So Interesting. I don't know. It's it's a, a, they're trying anything they can to keep people's attention. You know what they could try? Quality of play. You could do that. They could maybe quit making mega teams that are so dominant that no one else can play them. NBA Commissioner Try that! NBA Commissioner Excuse Adam me. Silver suggested earlier this year that the league would need to speed up games to adhere to millennial attention spans. Because yeah. people can't pay attention. Sports holders are not just looking at how to divvy rights out, but how to improve the game experience for younger viewers that don't want to sit through long games when streaming them, says uh, this guy from a streaming platform, Phoenix. Speed and latency are directly cor- correlated to revenue. Case in point, a new sports streaming revenue from YouGov and Phoenix finds that nearly three quarters or 72% of consumers who watch sports on TV have come to expect bad service during live games. And nearly one in three of those consumers, 34%, think about canceling the service, giving them an issue. Wow. So these are people watching on a streaming service. Yeah. They just expect it's going to stall, that it's going to buffer, that it's going to drop the signal, that you're going to have to reload the whole thing to make it work again. And after you, that goes through that cycle a few times, you just want to kill it and go find something that works. Yeah, Netflix. Or maybe just get cable. Go watch Longmire. What are you going to do? That, and, and so they're, they're, they're approaching this, this, uh, this problem with yeah. attention spans, plus with the, the, the software doesn't, or the, the, the computer programs don't exactly work like they oh. should all the time. You know so, what? I don't know. This, let me just tell you something. We may have created a really weak generation. Um, because I grew up having to watch Metamucil commercials. Mm. And I just fast forward through all that. And you know what? All that talk, all that fiber, all that just boring chatter, I think it I think it built me into the man I am. Or it broke your soul, either way. Yeah. Uh speaking of broken souls, um, did you hear that uh, Macy's is having a parade? Yes. Still working on my segues. <laughs> They're not quite what they used to be. Uh, CNN Travel put together a guide to the holidays, Macy's Thanksgiving Parade, six fun things you may not know. Did you know, for example, that uh, the Macy's Parade, uh, it was originally a Christmas parade? Really? Yeah. Started, they moved it? Yep. 1902. Uh, it started in 1902. It was the world's largest. Macy's was the world's largest store, remember, and one million square feet of retail space. So they organized this Christmas parade in 1924 with floats and bands and animals from the zoo. Yeah. That's what we're missing out on. That's totally missing out. Live animals? Yeah. One mountain lion gets loose and ruins the whole parade. Anyway, crazy uh, crazy little news. So it used to be a Christmas parade, but then um, eventually they said, hey, we could probably make more money by inventing Black, Black Friday. 
I don't know if they invented that. Hey, another thing, the balloons have been around apparently since the beginning as well. Okay. The, you know what the first balloons were in the Macy's Parade? SpongeBob. Adam and Eve. Uh, SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, no. No. Adam and Eve. Uh, but they were, it was a 60-foot dinosaur. Oh, wow. Back in 1927. Hmm. And, you know, high winds, you know, sometimes that creates havoc with a dinosaur. Right. There's a lot of people that have been injured trying to keep peanuts. Snoopy's friend. Mm-hmm. Is that right? No, Snoopy no. is peanuts. Peanuts are all the characters, Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Okay, thank you. Also, no. it's meteors that have trouble with dinosaurs, not high winds. That's right. a great point. Yeah. Very good true. point. Uh, the parade, by the way, was first broadcast, of course, on radio. That would be great radio. Scintillating. Here comes a big balloon in the shape of a turkey. All right. How else are you going to experience a parade if you don't have if TV doesn't exist? That is a big turkey. Gobble gobble. Wow. How would you like that turkey leg? Matt Townsend was not the play-by-play man for the first Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, By the way, if you're really into balloons, you can go watch the balloons get inflated on 77th Street. Oh, well. There's something to do. There's a lot of hot air. Yeah, a lot of hot air. And if not, you could just, if you you enjoy inflation, you could just watch the White House press briefing. Oh, wow. Look at that. Uh, Did I say that out loud? Yeah, you did. Good job. Um, By the way, uh, sometimes it hasn't gone so well. High winds. You know, wet days. This is a sad one. Uh, Popeye Balloon mm. had a, the Popeye character, his hat. He had a hat, and it would fill up with water. Mm-hmm. And then every time the balloon would lean to one side or another, He'd pour it, it on would the crowd. soak the crowd. Well, that sounds, that's like a water feature. It's fun. I think that's a super fun water feature. Right. Yeah. And you just don't know if you're supposed to, hey, are we going to get soaked? And New York and Thanksgiving, I mean, I really need to cool off. You know, right, it's really be... hot at that time of year. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. So make sure you catch the, uh, the Macy's Day Parade. See if something exciting happens with one of those big balloons. Any other headlines we need so, to be paying attention as to? As millions of people storm airports, they can get to Grandma's house. Yeah. Or wherever they're going. I thought that was over um, the river and through the... It's different now. Now you uh, take an airplane and it's... Mostly all that's you know, been plowed over and turned into mini-marts. You have so to there's take no Bart, river and think, woods. And, you take BART... To yeah. the bus station. The bus station then drops you off at the the airport, and then you wait in line, and then TSA. There's probably a people mover you. in there somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. they go on a people mover. Yeah. Then you are delayed on the tarmac for about two hours. Yeah. Gotcha. Then eventually get to grandma's house. And then they de-ice you for a while. Yeah. Oh, so air that. etiquette. You're you're a passenger. You're with all these other people yeah. in the flying. You know tubular wonder of an airplane um so uh, british airways surveyed 1500 travelers from the u.s uk france germany and italy and this is what they found we shared a few of these what? yesterday we'll move on with some other ones the topic of uh conversation when you sit down with mm-hmm. a person what's the proper amount of discussion with your seatmate because some people will binge your ear for the whole flight. Other yeah. people, they, they don't want to have anything to do with you. Yes. What's the proper amount? And it says some, some seatmates should exchange quick hello and a smile, then zip the lip. Americans, 42% disapprove of sharing personal tales and will slip on headphones to cancel the conversation. Uh, Brits use the skip to the loo excuse. I've got to go to the restroom. Uh, Italian and French travelers are more magnanimous. 80% of Italians consider small talk appropriate, and half the French respondents consider flying a friendship forging opportunity. Oh, boy. Which <laughs> I was like, oh, geez. I always like to just place my index finger across their lips oh, when right. they're talking. Just go, Shh, it's okay. Just be quiet. We what don't a- have to talk. What about snoring? Yeah, let's not do that. 66% said they won't nudge a, a nose 
bugling neighbor, as the creative writer here put it. Really? But will mute the noise by cranking up the volume in their entertainment system. However, 20% of Brits will give the offender a shove and then feign innocence. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I bump you? As you <laughs> knock them into the aisle. <laughs> that is uh, – everyone's experienced. I mean, I don't – Mind the noise, but don't put your head on my shoulder. The, uh, That's the, weird. The ethics person, they dis- the etiquette expert yeah. they discuss, they talk to here, says, ignore it and block it out with your own entertainment system. Wax earplugs are great. So yeah. you just sort of suffer through your... You know what you do? You just throw that wax earplug right down his gullet, right down his mouth. Right. He'll quit snoring. Sleeping accessories. Americans prefer noise-canceling headphones. Italians and French favor diva eye masks. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they just share that. I've got one of those. The majority of travel say, travelers say switching seats is acceptable, but only after checking with the flight attendant. Brits are most likely to nab a new spot. They usually pounce after takeoff and once the pilot has turned off the seatbelt sign. <laughs> those Brits. They're always <laughs> jumping on those empty seats. I love how they put stuff in the article. So, That's, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. I do like the shoes off is okay, 59%. Sockless, not okay, 87%. Pants, pantless, never okay. Got to keep your clothes on. Shirtless, keep your shirt on. Keep your clothes on. Keep your shoes on. Maybe loosen them. And talk very little. Is that? Am I getting this right? Hmm. And then when you walk, when you try to exit the row, you're saying they should turn and face the people they're exiting. Yes, face them. Do not do not turn and look forward in yeah. the cabin. Look at you. Look at who you're. Well, then passing. you're hugging the seat, and if it's yeah. if it's leaning back. You're leaning back, so you're saying turn and face them. Uh, I always like to also give the advice. You can put your hands on their headrest oh, wow. so you're kind of balanced, and then look them in the eye. Mm, that's creepy. <laughs> look them in the eye. When you're walking by, look them in the eye. That, to me, is just great etiquette. Boy. That's why we're here, folks. We're here to help. We're going to get you home or to Grandma's house safe and sound without – delay don't don't promise that yeah we can't promise that the airline won't delay you but you won't be delayed because of you know anything you've done gotcha because we care up next uh, jeanette bennett will be joining us we're going to be talking about working with a spouse if you happen to be running a business with your partner uh some advice there plus we're going to find out about her turkey day how she gets through it and uh, enjoys it to the max straight ahead on matt townsend show Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show in studio with us is Jeanette Bennett, the famous, the famous Jeanette Bennett. Well, hello. <laughs> How are you? From Bennett, uh, Bennett Communications. Hold That's on. That's right. Yeah, Bennett yeah, Communications. That's us. Jeanette uh, is the founder and editor-in-chief at Bennett Communications. They have like five magazines. Yeah. Four. Five to 20. <laughs> yeah. Feels You're like crazy. a lot sometimes. I'm finishing one today. That's my what are you, Thanksgiving ooh. deadline. Oh, really? Yeah. Business queue has to go to the printer today. So then, that's all. So what are you doing here? I needed a break. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> and I'm sure you're getting ready for Turkey Day. Getting ready, which for me involves a little shopping, not a lot of cooking. So and goodness. so, you don't have to cook much. You just have to bring something. Did they? Are you the roll lady? Where they're like, <laughs> can you just bring some rolls? They know I'd bring store-bought and, and yeah, homemade so they required. Don't want, yeah, okay. So can you just bring some drinks? 
That's it. You're I the am, drink I am assigned drinks uh-huh. and then also a non-pie dessert. I'm thinking cheesecake. So, Good yeah. choice. See, in my family, I'm not. I'm not known as the cook. No. Yeah. Yeah, and me either. I really only have like maybe two talents. Yeah, I'm, what are I them? type well. I, yeah. I type fast. You're the typist. I'm in the, the family. typist. Which yeah, so, is so like, handy. Like when they need an obituary <laughs> type, you're like, I'm on it. I got it. <laughs> and I bowl fairly well. Really? It's very. Are you useful. guys going to be bowling this no. weekend? Mm-mm. Are you going to do much typing? <laughs> so they're not I'm using eat your other people's food. They're not using your strength. I have five sisters. Oh wow! So the kitchen was crowded growing up. Yeah, why go in there? They had it. Just go hang I'll, out with the guys. Yeah, I'll go watch some football. Go type I'll something. Go, like, brainstorm some business ideas. <laughs> Do you remember, though, that is a funny thing. Do you remember when typing was like like a skill that everyone was like, oh, you type? Yeah. Yes, I'm I like do. 80, 80 words a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my problem in high school, I only had one A minus. All A's, one A minus. It was in typing. Oh, wow. And because the first day she said, get typing, and I did my best. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And then she said, to get an A, you have to double that by the end of the semester. Well, I was already like it. 70 words or something. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so so it, the me of today would have gone in and said, you know, that wasn't really a fair metric, yeah. but I was just an obedient Why don't we check child. my attitude? My spirit is so high. <laughs> Why don't exactly. we ever bring that up? Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So I'm not the cook of the family. No. Either, either side. Yeah. Family, I'm okay with that. I've kind of come to terms. Well, some I've noticed some of us are lookers. Some of us, we just right. we, we look good, but we don't cook well. You know, and I compliment well. Mm-hmm. I can tell yeah, people how nice their pies. Man, that was good pie. Oh, that's good. Let me try that again. I need another piece. Uh-huh. See, you need those people around no, the totally. table. I think we're lifters, mm-hmm. and we are eaters. We're eaters, and and somebody's got to eat. There's a table full of food. Somebody has to bring a drink. Because exactly. you don't you want all these people not having a drink. They can't be parched. Right. They, they have turkey to wash down and stuffing. <laughs> we need beverages. <laughs> True. Oh. And that's not easily done. I mean, no. you're, you're in the drink aisle. Right. Lots of options. Boy, there's choices. To narrow that down is a real is a real skill set. So I guess I have three uh, talents, actually. Yeah, you do. I'm going to add that in. Well, yeah. you have more than that. You have a beautiful family. I've met I your do. kids. Oh, my God. Family so great. So you're an, you're an incredible mother. You're married you. and you're working with your husband. Yeah, that is that's a, a that's a talent. That's a huge talent. And you're still <laughs> married. Yeah. Still I mean, it's your fourth marriage, but <laughs> this one has hope. Yeah, this so one. This, this one's. one's work. I think this one's going to really work. So, Jeanette, what what advice do you have for us if we are working with a spouse? I mean, s- some would say not a good idea. I think a lot of people would say that. A lot of people tell me I could never work with my spouse. Yeah. Uh, But I like it, actually. What do you like about it? So before I got married, my biggest fear was that we would run out of things to talk about. Yeah. Like I would see couples at the Applebee's and they're looking out the window and they're bored. Yeah. And I didn't want to be that way. And that was honestly my fear. I thought at some point, I guess you've told every story. You've shared every joke. Yeah. There's that moment like, it just we're stops. out of we're out yeah. of content here. But you don't ever run out because you can always say, "Hey, don't you think is this a twelve point paper or a fourteen point paper?" <laughs> right. So yeah, it gives you something to constantly work on. But that's also the challenge. Yeah. Is because you um, talk about work a lot. That's I think that's the biggest challenge is knowing when we both want to talk about work and when we both don't, because we're not always on the same page on that. One yeah. of us has hit the off button. Yeah. The other one hasn't. Yep. And when the off button has been hit, it's hard to really want to go over that profit loss statement right. at 10 p.m., you know. Uh, oh, that's true, huh? So that's the hardest part. 
So, um, but you're also on the same page. They, you know, you can't have somebody wondering why you didn't get a check this week. True. You're like, well, you already know it. You didn't make that call. (laughs) You're supposed to make that one call. I heard you. I saw you walk in late, and I think we know the problem. Yeah, I think we need to let you go. (laughs) I have a little cartoon on my desk that I that I cut out of a newspaper, I think a parade magazine a long time ago. And it's a woman boss sitting on a desk. The man's looking across the desk. Yeah. And he says to her, I think firing me would be a big mistake, mostly because we're married and we need the money. (laughs) And I just have it up there. That's classic. Makes me laugh. So there are challenges. I think the challenges are, um, I think it can be a little smothering to to not have your own space as much. And uh, then knowing when to turn it off. Also, I think you're never going to have the exact same vision. Mm-hmm. So who, whose vision are we going after here? Yeah. And uh, we've had to kind of work through that. Um, so Donald Trump, in fact, we've talked about this a few times. My husband, whose name is Matt. Is it, I love way. that name. Yeah. Uh, so Donald Trump's first wife. Yeah. They got divorced. Yeah. Obviously, he's on his, you know, third, third marriage. Fourth, and third. You know, and um, the first one he said they became business partners and then that's all they – Saw on each other. Yeah. And so for that reason and many others, yeah. don't want to be like Trump. Right. So um, I think that's one of the challenges, but that's also one of the tips that I wanted to give today too, is to have a life outside of work. To have other hobbies. Don't just talk about work, even though that's the easy go-to. No, it's because it, it, normally you might just talk about kids. Right. But There's when you work, that. now mm-hmm. you can talk about work and kids. And kids. But there also might be a point where you need to learn to just talk about us. Right. Talk about us or nothing. Yeah. And like hobbies yeah, or interest. I mean, and isn't it weird to like watch Matt in his element and think, oh, yeah, I never would have done it that way. Oh, totally. But look at look <laughs> at him work his magic. Right. And he gets a result and you're like, wow, that was interesting. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. So I think working together has made our marriage better because when we're at work, there definitely are those times where yeah. I'm thinking, why are you doing that? <laughs> YouTube videos at 10 I'll o'clock. I'll take this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's work to do. It's um, true. <clears throat> but we have to overcome those obstacles in front of an audience. I mean, we have a staff. And so when we've had things we don't see eye to eye on, we're talking through them in front of people in the staff meetings and other employees or assistants around. And uh, so we've learned to be very logical and kind in that. Uh And that's carried on at home. Interesting. So so I, I think if you have this emotional relationship, working together would be a disaster. Oh, yeah. Because you'd be like, remember 2007, we had a bad quarter. We lost a client, you know. Oh, yeah. And that's not a normal business conversation. Right? It's you so talk about true. The present. See, so. my wife is now my assistant. How's that going? <sighs> Deep breath. No, it's, it, it's actually going very well. But it's, it, it does open up a lot of things where mm-hmm. just your differences are a big deal. And you're all of a sudden you're thinking, ah, you don't have to. My wife is the most honest person you've ever met. Which is awesome. And so, so she's honest to you. She's honest she's, to everything. Yeah. So if if I sat there, if if I just um, if I was running late, right? My, my other assistant might not say he's running late and tell you why. He might just say he he'll be in in a minute. Okay. But my wife would say, yeah, he didn't plan very well, <laughs> and he was he he does this all the time, and then she like lays out mm-hmm. every 
flaw, just in, in not to be mean, but in order to have full to be honest, transparent. Yeah, she's so just he trying hit, to. He hit the snooze button three times. Uh-huh. I told and him to get up. So you, my other assistants would like to help me save face, mm-hmm. and she's kind of not that way. She's mm-hmm. kind of more like, no, you're going to learn she wants this. You to face your problems, and yeah. And she's teaching you a lesson. She'll listen. She'll talk to every salesperson on the phone. Like she feels like there's a social contract. Like, okay. <laughs> I owe this to you because I do have a phone, mm-hmm. and you did call I it. Picked it up, and you're a human, and I'm so, a human. So, how are your kids? Mm-hmm. What are your things? <laughs> and I'm like, you don't have to. You just say no. We're not. We're not interested in that. Mm-hmm. So, how has it affected your non-work relationship? Would you but say? you're like you said. It's there is a different level of respect there. The, what else is great is she knows she's informed. So now right. she now she knows without me having to ramp her up. So I don't come home and she's like, like how that. was your day? Mm-hmm. Now she knows. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. <laughs> and, um, but then the other thing that's interesting is that she it's, we're still trying to figure out how we bring up issues. Like do we talk about work at home at 930 at night? Mm-hmm. If you both want to, I think it's yeah, okay. But- Sometimes if I have something I want to bring up, I'll say to Matt, hey, I have a work thing I want to talk to you about. Do you want to talk about it now or, you know, yeah. later? It's usually later. Yeah, let's talk about that <laughs> give tomorrow. Me, give me some time. Hey, tomorrow when I'm YouTubing, just let's talk then. <laughs> let's talk then. It really is. It's a – but I like, too, the fact that we are we are to fully together on finances now and on everything. I like that because there are those couples where the wife says, I don't really know what my husband does. Yeah. He works it for the government or in a tech company. Is he a spy? No, he actually just is an insurance salesman. <laughs> I just don't know. He just doesn't talk about he it much. He doesn't talk about it. And then when he comes home, I say, how was work? Good. Yeah, and that's the end. That's it. You know, so when you work with your spouse, it's not a one-word conversation. You do know what they're going through, and you can you can celebrate it, too. Like, if you don't really know what your spouse does at work, maybe you don't know, or maybe he or she wouldn't share. They really rocked it today. Yeah. You where killed you, that. Yeah, where if you watched them or you were, you were part of the team, you'd be like, that was completely awesome. So there's chances to yeah. be – more proud of your spouse and, well, and celebrate it together. Don't you think like – I mean it used to be back before the Industrial Revolution, you would kind of work together, right? Yeah, you'd work the farm. The farm mm-hmm. You'd work the herd. You did everything together. And then we got this weird thing where, no, you work. You stay at home. Right. Then we get even a weirder thing where we both work and now we're supposed to cohabitate and mm-hmm. make our house nice. And mm-hmm. After a stressful day, come home and – but we still haven't gotten rid of some of the old roles. So there is something about the fact that you can work together. I think also it set us up for when I retire, when we retire, we could go you know, on church missions. We could go do stuff where before one of us probably would have died <laughs> because it would have been too hard to go yeah. do that together. Because you weren't used to the daily uh-huh. contact. Yeah. My husband served an LDS mission. There were couples in his mission and he said that – some of them struggled. No, and he knows hard. of at least one yeah. that went home to get divorced. Really? Because <laughs> they have brings spent... <laughs> you closer together than your mission. But I know I and I've I've worked with a lot that go out because they you're not used to working together at that level, and then all of a sudden you everything it's everything. And sometimes we show a different side at work. Yeah. And so if you haven't seen that side of your spouse, maybe it's their best side. It may be the side you fell in love with because right. you you know you used yeah, to pick so. them up at the mall. Like that's how you met Matt was at the mall, right? <laughs> Eighth grade baby, was junior he? high. Really? Yeah. We didn't date till we were in college. But I knew him in junior high. Yeah. I knew the girls he dated. You that, <laughs> That's great. You got some dirt. A little bit of dirt. One of them called me up a couple months ago. 
and was doing this seminar thing and asked me to be a speaker. Really? So I hung out with his ex, his ex girlfriend. His like, I actually really like, like her. So it's all girlfriend. Good. <laughs> it's all good. That may not really be called an ex if they were like in ninth grade. It was like twelfth grade. Oh, that was more yeah. serious. Counts a little more. Uh huh. No, totally. Yeah. Totally. So does he? Um, like, who is in charge? Who's in charge if, in your business? If you asked our employees, they'd definitely say me. Would they? Well, yeah. <laughs> if they want time off, if they want to raise, if they have a concern, they come to me. If they want to have fun, if they want to pull a prank, then they go to him. Yeah. If they want, <laughs> if they want to talk about the football game, so we have different roles. You know, he keeps it fun. He keeps our culture happy and yeah. light, and I'm I'm more focused. I would say at work. Yeah, you're Which, the scary one. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I? <laughs> no, you're really not. But but isn't it, but it's interesting you take those roles. Does he take that same role at home? At home, it flips. He really it, it's it's odd. But at home, he's the one that's like getting things going. And that's awesome. Fact, he's home today, and he texted me. I got the kids out of bed. They're not super happy, but we're working. You know, like how great. So I'm what sure a I'll great go home team. to a clean house. But yeah, it flips at home. Isn't that odd? Yeah, we didn't I, plan that. That's, that's not funny. an orchestrated thing. Well, that's funny because at my work, nothing's slipping. Um, I'm always kind of the fun one that nobody tells anything to. <laughs> okay. And my wife is the driver now. She drives the whole show. Okay. But, I mean, I, I have to deliver everything she drives. Right. But right. she drives it. And then we get mm-hmm. home and she drives it. And then I don't deliver as much. No. Mm. It's kind of bad. You need to pick that up. Come on. Step yeah, that's up. what I'm going to work on this year. Okay. I work on picking that up. How many years have you been married? Twenty six. Okay. So you know it's time to yep. pick it up. By the way, twenty four happily. <laughs> <laughs> they always introduce me as Matt's been happily married twenty six years, and in my head I'm like, actually, we had a couple hard years. <laughs> See, there's the honesty. Yeah, that's it. Both you and your wife. My are wife honest. does. That's she good. always gets up whenever she introduces me as a speaker. She's always like, and you can't believe everything he says. Which is not a great segue to a speaker. <laughs> not a good setup. Whatever he says, half it. That half is true. But the wives are like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She knows it. Mm-hmm. She is so honest. Um, so you, overall, you'd suggest we, we work with those we marry? Is it good to start a business? <laughs> are you in, are you, I'm not recommending are you proposing this for everybody. This? No. It's worked for for me because yeah. we've raised it back to the farm analogy. We talk about how we have a farm of words. Yeah, you do. Yeah. We're growing words. We're growing pages. And we involve our kids when we can, too, because I like that farm analogy. I do, too. I think that made for some strong families. No, I agree. And everyone pitched in. Everyone sowed. Everyone reaped. You know, Everybody a has harvest. a job. Somebody mm-hmm. – we, we try to get our kids to come clean our offices, do stuff like that, help. How does that work? Yeah. Not no. so great. It's so good in theory. It really is. So good in theory. And then my 10-year-old cleans our glass office yeah. windows, and I'm like, hmm. I know. You know what? This isn't working. <laughs> That's what. Then you're like, Matt, <laughs> come clean the windows again. But the other thing is, too, you look at your kids, and um, you have you ever had the discussion about their income? Like, how much are you going to pay me? I'll come do it, but what will you pay me? And I'm like, well, I'll pay you minimum wage. Right. And then I have to go find that poster that has the minimum wage on it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll pay you that. Seven, what is it now? I don't is know. Is it 780? And they're like, 780? I'm not going to work for 780. And then it's Come like, on. all right, well, then you're fired. And I fire them. Hmm. That See, that's night, good life experience. I know. Then that night they're asking like for their allowance. Yeah. Can I have $10 to go to the movie? 
No. No. I'll you give you 780. Work. If you want 780, I'll give you yeah. 780. Should work for 1.23 hours if you want 10 See? bucks. No, I know. Sometimes I tell my kids, I'll pay you in dinner. I'll pay you in dance yeah. lessons. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're growing a farm here. That's a really cool metaphor. Yeah, it works. And, and it work. It does work. And if it works for you, if not, hey, try the other way where you just go work separately. That works too. I think that probably works for most people. Yeah. I'm just saying it's been awesome for me. And because we have five kids and this farm of words – uh, we've been a team. So when we built out our office, we built our office. It's it's twice the size of an office because it's two offices. Yeah, his and mine. We both put it. We put in a, a door for each of us, thinking we'll probably want to build a wall. Oh yeah. Sorry for so many Trump right. analogies today. All right, yeah. <laughs> build a wall. Build a wall. But we loved the sharesies. So, so you we don't, never you built never the built the wall. wall. Uh. Uh-uh. Do you ever just have a cold wall that's just kind of. Your cold vibe. We have our backs to each other a lot. <laughs> like, <laughs> like truthfully, there's no meaning yeah. behind it. But we've liked being there, so we we can kind of bounce things off. You know, like did you call and excuse that absence of so and so? Or oh, how interesting! You know, yeah, did you make that call? Or when our kids have been littler and been there, been with us, we'll trade off. I have a phone call. You That's take cool. her for a walk. Yeah. that kind of thing. Oh wow! Lunch dates are easier. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, when you can probably plan more fun stuff. Yeah. I'm assuming, like, let's just take the day off. We did go to a movie in the middle of the day a couple weeks ago. I felt totally irresponsible. Oh, wow. Super fun, though. What movie? It was Thor. Of course it was. Yeah. I fell asleep for a little bit, I have to say, but... Oh, wow. Somebody needed a nap. Yeah. That's hard. A soft, sweet, dark room. That's what you get when you're the worker. Uh, Jeanette Bennett's her name. You're going to want to go check out her website, uh, utahuvmag. So Utah Valley 360 is the best landing page for You've only told me that like 30 times. It's okay. It's confusing. That's where you can go. Okay. Jeanette Bennett, Utah Valley – no, UV360. Utah Valley 360. Utah (laughs) – I'm writing it down right this second. Utah Valley 360. Dot com. You won't want to miss it. Um, she's on every other week to, to just keep us straight, to help us understand how business works. We will continue the journey. next. Uh, up next, we're going to talk with our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation, find out what they're going to be doing for Turkey Day, and uh, you know, continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends. You know, it's that time to go down and visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation. And we're going to find out what they're going to be doing for Turkey Day. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Matt. What's up, Matt? Happy and Thanksgiving, ditto, Eve. Ditto. Oh, I know. And Eve Eve Morn, we call it. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving, Eve Morn. And uh, happy gobble gobble to you both. Yes. Yes. Hey, um, question for you. You guys ready for some turkey trivia? Of sure. course we are. Sure. I mean, I know you guys like throwing back the turkey. Um, what do uh, what are the five most popular ways to serve leftover turkey? Go. Um, let's see. In a sandwich. Yes. yes. Turkey Bing. sandwiches. Yep. Uh, turkey casserole. Yes. Uh, there are five ways, so let alone a top five. Stew. Oh, stew. Nice. T- turkey stew. Turkey stew. Turkey chili or soup. Isn't that the same thing as stew? No. Okay. Duh. Chili, less watery. <laughs> and a turkey burger, I guess. That's kind of a cop-out. 
Yeah, that one's weak. What? What about like, like turkey enchiladas? What do you mean turkey burger? I turkey know. tacos. Turkey taco, dude. You're not, you're not taking the meat from your turkey that you ate on Thanksgiving and it, turning it into a burger. A couple of bumps between That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like turkey enchiladas. Come okay. on. Okay. Come on, oh. man. You guys are getting mad. Hey, did you know that it's not turkey that makes you feel sleepy? It's carbohydrates that cause your th- sleepiness. Wait, what's that? No, uh, it's a wait. lie. What? It's a myth? It's, it's a t- it starts with a T, doesn't it? That yeah, word. Try high cholesterolinine. Try. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. By the way, eighty. There were eight thousand two hundred eighty-four turkey farms in the United States in twenty in two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you know? Uh, do you guys know that? Have you ever had turkey tail? No. Yeah. Being negative. Uh, it's a it's a delicatessen. Sure it is. It's a delicacy, and we send it. It is. It's at the delicatessen, (laughs) and we sell. We send it to Samoa, um, and I guess it's really good. Turkey tail. Send it to Samoa. Samoans love it. It's a delicacy there. Hmm. Yeah. Of course, she's been here four years. Wow. We're picking up the game. Well, we wanted to let you in on the excitement of BYU women's volleyball last night. So that let's get right to it. Um, uh, How did it go? The BYU women's volleyball match? Yeah. Swimmingly. They Swimmingly. won another West Coast Conference championship. Four in a row, man. Unbelievable. Dominant. Dominant. They're, they're the best program on campus. Yes. Yeah. By far, huh? Consistent, winning, awesome, nationally ranked. You gotta love it. It's really fun. You gotta love it, baby! What's uh, what's on your show today? Uh, other than women's volleyball, not much, Matt. So, Not really. Let's See you later. It. Hey, are you, are, are you guys going to talk about how the Purple Eagles almost ate our carcass? <laughs> Only losers speak about almost doing things. Yeah, but like it seemed like our carcass should have been well down the road. The Niagara Purple Eagles. I mean, you got that's why you never it was an take your eye off. Game last night. Was it? Yeah, you never yeah. take your eye off a purple eagle, though. You never do. Like I've every time I've seen one, I've been like, man, I can't <laughs> take my eyes off of that. Yeah, we'll talk about the game, kind of our takeaways uh, from that. Uh, cool. With Greg Rubel, yeah, uh, the voice of the Cougars. Also, one on one with uh, Fred Warner. My conversation with Fred yesterday. BYU's best player and uh, only draft prospect, in my opinion. Hmm. Also, uh, we'll discuss uh, who you want to write a thank you note to. Oh, yes. In the spirit of Jimmy Fallon, thank you notes. Who in BYU sports do you want to write a thank you note to? And you know what? You should write a thank you note to that person. Just really, uh, a.k.a. Really? social media. Well, I was going to write a thank you note to you guys. Uh, uh, Gratitude Graham? Yeah. Which is a new thing at BYUB? I Yeah, exactly. I was going to go get them, but then I'm like, oh, I'd have to climb all those stairs. Yeah. I'm not grateful for that. A gratitude gram. We do have an elevator. Like, you just stand in it. And then yeah, I know. Then I'd have to walk it's down like the hall car, to get to vertically. it. Huh. Sounds like a lot of work. Wow, less, new levels gasoline. of laziness for even you, man. Instead, it's because this is... this is. I a... knew you were lazy, but not that lazy. Uh, man, you geez. are lazy. <laughs> wow. It's. I just didn't know. Yeah, I was just not ready for all the work today. Have you guys ever felt that way? Like, oh, I'm working today. Why'd you guys do a show today? Uh, great question. <laughs> I've been asking it all I morning. Was surprised. I was that surprised bad? that we you were, were surprised. you were going yeah. to have yeah. a conversation no. with we, us today. We, yeah. we, thought, we thought you'd be gone. Yeah, I did too. Actually, yesterday. Until, Whose call was that? Sheila Line. No, Harry North. Just, my, I actually had made the decision to not be here, but my my peeps didn't communicate with the other peeps, and then here I am. 
So is the whole crew, like, is Jeff there? Terry, no, is Jeff's gone. There? No, Jeff's gone. Oh, and, Jeff's gone. And Terry, you know, Terry's just kind of phoning it in now. Now the question <laughs> is, will Jeff be in? gone permanently because he's gone today? Yes, he may. <laughs> he may. Cole's filling in for him, so it's, 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 the show's gone really well. Cole's always here, man. Yeah. Cole is he, the man. He's working the games. Yeah. He's working the morning show. Totally. And he loves you guys. Man, Cole's awesome. I've tried to dissuade him, but he still thinks you're great. You know what? Well, he doesn't really know us. That's why. That's true. I, I told him, wait till you get to really know him, guys. Yeah, then it, then it's over. Then you're like, oh, really? He's Is ugly. Okay, I got to let you go, guys. You got to go pump Bye, up. Matt. We love you. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. We'll keep, try, keep. Are you going to be gone Friday? Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll yeah. be here Friday. I'm no, sorry. I, but I'll, I'll watch Friday. you. I'm going to watch you Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday. Liar. Okay. Saturday would be true as well. I, I will watch you Saturday we'll and be listen here Saturday to you. Saturday for the pregame show. Knock them dead, boys. Okay, Make us okay. proud. Thank you. Um, hey, our hero story. We always like to do a hero story, and uh, this one is pretty powerful. A heroic McDonald's worker sprang into action to rescue a baby who had a seizure as his mother entered the drive-thru. Lily Kay was at the window at a fast food outlet in Brisbane, Australia, when 11-month-old Benji Burgess uh, began convulsing in the back seat and turning blue. The 19-year-old immediately rushed out to help, realizing that the little boy was having a febrile convulsion because he was running a high temperature. I had so much adrenaline going through my system, it was overwhelming and scary to see him like that, she told Daily Mail Australia. I was calm on the outside, but I was panicking on the inside. Benji's mother, Jody Burgess, said Miss Kay got her manager, Jacob, to call an ambulance while she laid him on his side until the seizure stopped. I have no idea what my next step would have been. I've uh, I've only done my first aid courses for a little while, and so she didn't know exactly what to do next. But Miss Kay is working at McDonald's while she's training to be a paramedic. So what better training than that? So she is the hero of the day, saving a cute little boy. And by the way, 19-year-old, no less. That is the show, my friends. Again, we can't do it without you. We love being a part of your life and really helping us all become better people as we interact and work together. We wish you the best of the holiday season, and make sure we keep it a a grateful one. No matter what you're going through, know that other people care about you and that you are worthwhile, and that's the program. We'll see you again Monday, talk to you again Monday, and continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show. BYU Sports Nation is up next.